check, check. See, I don't know what to say when there's nothing there. So just say um, later. 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 Single. Later. Later. A later compressing samples. Oh. Uh, so this week we have uh, Caleb Fesco on. Uh, and Caleb is a producer and a guitarist and a songwriter and got a lot going on. Um, and this episode was actually a lot of fun. And we appreciate you having having you on, man. Um, Very much appreciate you. What guys. was Thank you. what was your favorite part of the episode? Do you feel like? I think uh, the going deep into not into your unpopular opinion. I don't want to give it away. If this is gonna you know gonna be given away, but that whole uh, kind of breaking down. The, uh, the unpopular opinions, I think, was probably my favorite. Opi- and you can only you can only know what they are if you stick to the end yeah. of the podcast, <laughs> which is coming up. And I will say that your unpopular opinion is probably thank you my favorite by far. I like I liked when you were talking about how much music meant to you. Honestly, I was just listening to to that. I think no, that, that was great. That means a lot, man. We we yeah. talk about that in the podcast. That's pretty neat. Yeah, we talk about how to uh, 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 be a producer and get your beats. Listen to by artists that you like, yeah. So and, that's uh, a lot of stuff. Broke Talk. down a song too. Yeah, yeah, and just like the dynamic. Yeah, we broke that. Yeah, and that was that, that was a good segment too. Is you actually kind of went down a rabbit hole on some of the stuff that right. you know, not to give away too much, but it, it was a good segment, honestly. And um, yeah, I just I, I enjoyed the conversation overall, man. This has been a great podcast, honestly, and uh, stoked to have you on and uh, to get into some really deep spaces. I thought, yeah. you know. Definitely. And then we got into some really fun spaces right. with the unpopular opinions, and even on the on the bottom of the Billboard, we got in some fun spaces too. Yeah, that's Sorry. a good song too. Yeah. Uh, well, I, you should stick around and listen to the rest of this podcast that is that is coming up next. Yeah. Be more awkward about it, Bill. This is should, the first like, time do we've done this. You should like watch it. Yeah. yeah do it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, anyways, enjoy the episode, guys. Yeah. Catch you later. This is bottom. Of the bill. Where we talk about the modern grind of a musician. Album cycle. Hold on, Bill. Give me a second, man. Because we don't know what we're talking about. Spotify playlist. You keep interrupting me. That's not how we discussed it. Just give me a second, man. We invite established artists on. Festival lineups. Can I just get my stuff out real quick? We invite established artists on to share their strategy to success. Marketing strategies. The premier do-it-yourself podcast. Hashtag DIY. Ah, oh, screw it. This is bottom of the bill. Uh, well, Caleb, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank yeah. you. It's a pleasure Appreciate to have you, you on, man. Thank you for having me. Uh, do a little cheers. Yeah. Bringing it back, season four. Season four. It's usually the best season for all TV shows. Is that what they say? <laughs> nope. I feel like they usually cancel them after six seasons. That's like the like the average. Like well, the, or like you know. We got two left. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's the golden let's, years. Let's make this uh, podcast worth something before we decide to call it quits. You know what I mean? Nah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, it was better to to fade away or you know burn out in a. Fire glory. Better to sell it when it's worth money. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? How do you sell a podcast? We're going to be the... Oh, there's ways. I I mean, I don't know them, but but, I mean, we see there are ways. Okay. But I'm just saying, like, (laughs) if we sell the podcast, that means we're still on the podcast, though, right? No, you get somebody else to take over. That doesn't make any sense. Like the Daily Show. Oh, yeah, I guess so. You know what I mean? Or like the Tonight Shows. Yeah. 
All right. Now we'll just keep like ten percent, and that we'll get it, we'll get our you know quarterly checks off of it. All right. Any, I'm all about subsidizing. Yeah. <laughs> what are we subsidizing? Oh, I don't know what that word means. I think. I. It definitely <laughs> sounds like you don't know what's what it the means. Word, what's the word where you get just money? Just roll with it. Just, yeah. Just, <laughs> where you get money? Income? Where you get money after putting it out. On Passive no, revenue no, no, stream. No. I, this Royalties. Is, this is a train wreck. <laughs> Anyways, this is a music podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so Caleb, I want to talk about some of the stuff that you got going on currently. Um, you recently, or or have been working with an artist, Aerospace, mm. out of DC. Right. He's a rapper. Yep. He's a. He's an. I guess I wouldn't want to put him in that. I guess I wouldn't put him in the box of just a rapper. But right. He's a. He's an artist, a rapper, a wordsmith. He he makes his own beats and stuff. But he's been making music for about 12 years, 12 to 15 years from DC, and I'm just really fortunate to work with them. How did you guys get linked up? Basically, during the whole pandemic, I uh, it was, I guess, maybe a little bit before the pandemic, um, I was working at Top Golf here in Jacksonville, and I was a porter, and I scrubbed toilets here, um, and I basically worked a night shift a lot of the time, and I would listen to like lo-fi hip-hop kind of stuff. I'm really into Jay Dilla and uh, Flying Lotus and that sort of stuff, and Earl Sweatshirt and that sort of, like, I guess, cerebral rap. And anyway, I, I was scrubbing toilets listening to rap, and Aerospace came on, and I was thinking, man, you know, I, I make, I've been making music for a while at that time and thought it would be great if I could make music for, for this guy or someone like it, um, like him. And uh, turns out my cousin, who goes by Hero, H-I-R-O, Hero, uh, has made a few beats for aerospace, that specific guy that I found um, just while I was working, and sent my, my cousin sent aerospace a couple of my beats, and then aerospace reached out to me just saying, you're fire, this is incredible, and then we just kind of developed a relationship from there. Hell yeah. That's awesome. I was looking at the, your Instagram today, and I think I saw a post where you said, your music's incredible. Was that what you're talking about? The or most what? recent, the... Well, it's it, was, it wasn't recent. I was going through. I was stalking. I think. Oh, I got you. No, you're. I think it must be because there's. Because that's what it seems like to me. Yeah. You're right. No, I did the kind of fan thing where it was like he 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 sent me an email or something like these are fire and that's like all he replied and I totally you're right. I think I did. Yeah, like, I saw that. Screen capped that. <laughs> like uh, it was one of those things where I'm like I can't believe this is happening. That's awesome. But no, it's like it's almost embarrassing to think of. Like I, I did the whole fan fanboy thing. Like. Oh my God, this guy! But so, what do you mean that you, you, you? So you 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 were like asking him to to collaborate, or you were actually sending tracks to him? I was just literally sending him. My my cousin sent him oh, a few beats that okay. I sent my cousin to work on, and he was just like, "Check out my cousin; he makes these crazy beats," or something like that. And then he asked me to just send him more of my work. And over time, I sent Aerospace a lot of music, probably more than 30 different individual songs. And we started to develop a relationship of just him replying, I I really like this, or this is what I'm going for. And after time, he just replied, I sent him, I made this one instrumental, and it was kind of, uh, there were some trumpets and some guitar, and then there was this underlying, I, I think it was a it was a sample from an old keyboard or a synthesizer, and it was just really high-pitched and whining in the top. But it was just really weird. Um, it was just I got these samples all put together, and it wasn't finished. But at, before I went to bed, I'm like, I'm just gonna send this to Aerospace because we're just we were at that relationship. We hadn't had a song together yet, and I just sent him that song, and I went to bed, and and I literally captioned it like in the email, just this isn't finished, but I think there's something here. What do you think? And 
I just remember waking up and he sent back just, this is the one. Nice. And then um, I believe it was June of 2020 or 2021, I can check the date, is when Azalea came out, which is where my song ended up on. Um, it's Azalea by Aerospace. Uh, it's track three. I named that song Shaman. Like, I was going to ask you to yeah, that song. Was it so, you or him? <laughs> so I, I named that song Shaman, and it turned into the song Pornhub, which is track three. Um, but it was it blew my mind because I sent him a bunch of different beats that I thought were really good, but then I realized he was looking for something with minimal drums so he could take the... What he does is what I really appreciate is he he can go hard on a crazy trap beat that has all the, this instrumentation and stuff, but he really shines on an old gospel sample that's looped for three minutes. And he can say so much more with minimal production. And I realized that's what he was looking for. And it's funny because I was thinking, I'm going to add drums to this tomorrow, but he might like it. And he was like, no, that's it. This is it. And that was Shaman, and it ended up being Pornhub on Azalea, and he ended up pitching that song down, like pitching what I sent him down and slowed it down some, and he added his own kind of vibe, and it truly took it to another level. Um, so I'm, I'm so thankful for our, our working relationship, but that uh, it really blew my mind and kind of opened my mind up to what is what the artists might really be looking for. They might, not everyone wants to hear the big club banger that's going to be selling millions of, of, of records for the radio or something. Um, it was, it was, uh, it was surreal. I didn't hear the finalized version until the album came out. Oh, wow. So I knew it was coming out and he, and, you know, and Aerospace was the first, uh, first artist to pay me for my work. He was the first person to treat me seriously. And to this day, we still talk for hours, and he, like, legitimately, like, he's he's such a nice person. He legitimately asked me how I'm doing, and, like, music aside, and it's it's very, like, I'm just very fortunate because given, it's 2022, I just, I'm always been afraid to put my beats out there. I've made, at this point, thousands of, of beats, but it's like, 10 of them are online, you know, and I, I'm sure there's more out there that I've put up, but it's, uh, I'm scared to get ripped off, to be honest, and I'm fortunate to have someone like Aerospace on my side. So he's kind of taking on like, like, like a bit of a mentor role with you? Absolutely. That's awesome. Did, were, were you, did you find any kind of frustration in not, in not like, hearing the, the, the final result until it came out? <laughs> Absolutely. Because it's like one of those things, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a nice guy to where if if something's like, oh, that doesn't, that mix doesn't sound right. I'm like, dude, I'll stay up. I don't mind being up till 6 a.m. to fix this vocal part. I, you know, it's not like there was anything wrong, but it's like I wasn't asked about anything. So I was like, well, I sure hope this comes out clean. I hope this sounds cohesive. And when I finally heard it all the way through, I cried because the song before it leads into Pornhub beautifully. And then my song ends with a voicemail that he added that's real. And then it goes into this other song, and this and the sample that begins of the next song is just so incredible. Like, the song after mine, it's called Miracle at the Meadow. Like, I like that more than my own song. And it's just, I love so much how my song transitions from mine to that. And I just realized, man, I don't have just a single with Aerospace. I've got this big, cohesive, beautiful thing. And I've just, I've always been into... Pink Floyd, I've been like into Hendrix, like these bodies of work that mean something, and it's not just 
a hit or something. And obviously, I want to pay off my parents' house and buy them cars. Like, I want to get the hit song, right? Yeah. But I I realize that I can still be soulful, I guess, in what I do um, or create. I, I don't know. I'm I am rambling. But. No, but I mean, we live in an age of of niche markets, you know. So I think that there's a lot to there's a lot of opportunity out there to be able to do those things and, and, and see financial success without having to have the club banger or like, you know, the hit single, right. You know, there's a lot of artists out there that are making a killing off of really honing into, to their, to their small niche market because for them, like those fans are quality fans. It's not about the quantity. Right. And not to say that there's artists out there like, you know, Taylor Swift has quality fans and quantity fans. That's kind of like what you, what you really want, right? At the end of the day, but you can make a killing just off of the quality fans alone because they will support you no matter what. And it means a lot that aerospace truly, uh, from, you know, I, what he raps about and specifically what he raps about on the song that I made for, for Pornhub. Like that's an angry song. If, if someone who hasn't heard of him is goes and listens to it right now, it's not safe for work. You know, it's like, it's not a, it's, it's an angry song, but it's heartfelt and he's not, I'm thankful to work with, with artists who, who put themselves out there because I started before I make it, before I started making hip hop essentially, um, with Ableton on a computer, I just would play guitar, um, and I played drums before that, but I'm way into soulful guitarists and soulful performers like Derek Trucks or, uh, Dwayne Allman or, you know, they don't have to be guitar players, um, but Aerospace strikes me as a person who just puts his heart and soul into what he says, and so it means a lot that it's not just, because rap is has become such a commodity thing it's like here's 10 seconds of rap you know and and i could do that all day and i have have it on my computer and i guess i should make a side account and just sell out over there and do my own thing over here um but it's that's think it, it, i i think of that too much it's like the soul selling out on the internet but it's 2022 and i'm i'm making something to sell you know it it I don't know. I are you selling out or are you buying in? There you go. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's like I don't think it's selling out at all. Like why? Why wouldn't you want to put your own music out there? It's right. really art, you know. Well, I guess when I say selling out, more so like making. Just well, I know I could just make these loud club bangers that I like to make and that are fun to make, but it's like not really the soulful route. Yeah, I suppose is what I mean. Um, I, I've so I've got a a bit of a. Um, uh, I know somebody. I'm not going to even get too specific about it because if I say it, like they'll know who they are, and I don't want that to happen. Yeah, it's dire straits. Right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. So I I know somebody that got involved in the genre of music, um, and they have like this. They're like this whole artist kind of persona now, and within that genre of music, they've really like they're talking about things and they're and they're and they're writing about things that they really have no actual experience with right and uh it's not in hip-hop but you know it's but people do this in a lot of different genres and this is one of them and i and i used to play in, in a band with them you know and so i was like um so i i watched that now and i'm like whew, like this th- that's kind of the definition to me of selling out when you're doing something strictly for the purpose of becoming famous and right. seeing financial success i believe that that's 
selling out. If you do something, if you stay true to yourself and then you become financially successful doing that, I think that's like the, the, the key, you know, just staying true to your artistry. Right. It's like, I'm almost kind of being too, uh, like I better not sell out. Like, no, like set, set my ego aside, <laughs> you know, like I'm being too egocentric, I guess, you know, let's like, a. I, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where when I sit down and make a beat, it's not like, okay, I'm going to make something that is uh, typically when I sit down and make a beat, I just try to make something and not, I try not to sit down and be like, Hey, I'm going to make something for aerospace or I'm going to make, I'm going to make something that's upbeat and up tempo. Like typically I'll find a sample or something and it's just the music will lead me or with guitar, I'll play a note and it'll just lead me. That's where I've had the most success. So it's, I don't know. I was going to ask uh, about the song itself. So in the beginning, you were sending him material that you've already written, right? Right. And it was just uh, uh, that your cousin uh, sent. Anyways, the whole yeah. point is, so th- this song that you uh, wrote, you wrote this specifically for him, though, wouldn't you say? Or no? Right, I or did. You, you, were you making like just a menagerie of like beats and everything and just being like, hey, here you go, pick one. You know I made I mean? a bunch of beats, yeah. and then when I realized he was paying attention, I just stayed and made 20 new ones to send to him so I sent him the best of what I made but then I realized I had like I I had the time to just sit and make stuff and I was on fire because this guy that I really like told me that my beats were worth something you know that he was just like these are fire these are incredible like keep sending these and and at first I was you know I was afraid I didn't know I mean I knew him but I didn't know like I didn't want to send him 30 beats uh without, you know, having a relationship with him. But over the course of time, I have sent him a lot. I was just afraid of getting ripped off, you know, at first, because it was someone I didn't know. Um, and that's kind of a, and that's, that's an interesting thing to make, because in, in the hip-hop kind of realm, that, that happens a lot more than it happens in in a lot of the other genres you, of music. What do you right. mean by getting ripped off, actually? Well... For our listeners at home, not me. So basically, Aerospace and I, I sent him MP3s on Gmail, and... I could, if he was a piece of crap, if he was a terrible <laughs> person, I could send him that beat and he could go record on that beat and say he made it, make money off of that. And I couldn't really do anything but mm-hmm. have, I, I can't, I, I would have the Ableton files. I would have ways to show that I made it. I could literally say, yeah, made it at 218 on blah, blah, blah. But the, the problem with that, sorry, go ahead. No, that was it. You're good. Well, the, the, the problem with that is that um, that does help in some respects, but uh, the government doesn't necessarily recognize that unless you have it copywritten, which is why copyrights are right. still very important. People always ask, exactly. it's like, well, nowadays we have timestamps and everything, and we have the publishing, and we have the, the, the writing credits on ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, whatever it is, right? right? And then everyone's like, okay, well, technically, in the court of law, that should hold up, and it might, it might hold up, right? But if you don't have it filed with the Library of Congress and have the copyrights, the government can also say, well, we don't... Like you didn't file the paperwork with us, so like we don't actually right. have any legal documentation that you own this song, right? And it's so. like I, I mean, we're I know how easy it is to just, you know, transpose a, a sample down a little bit and make it sound just a little bit off, and like oh no, it's a completely different and that's song. That's how they get you, right? Right, yeah. and I, I like the, to reiterate. It's I'm I'm thankful that to have aerospace as as a, a guiding light in the music industry because I. Uh, I mean, I knew that he was family because my cousin told me that I could trust him and he was family. So I, I, I sent him plenty of music. And 
when I realized that he liked what I was doing, I sent him a ton more. Yeah. And then um, Shaman, which is Pornhub, ended up being one of those um, songs. And I have totally sent him beats with drums on them. <laughs> I can do drums. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like I've, I've, I've happened to stumble, not stumble, I've, I've happened to just kind of uh, do well with this just the minimal production like i really like uh james blake i don't know if you guys are familiar with his work mm-hmm. it's very like something that he does is he'll he'll just layer a bunch of profit layers and sounds and singing and then subtract like the whole subtractive concept and just start muting channels and the master and just seeing what works like if you have 13 you build up a song with 13 different tracks and then only have three or four but you're still pushing this really weird idea i've been trying things like that i i really uh i'm inspired by that for sure and i realized i've done that yeah what was uh what was your process for making this uh, song itself because it is uh i don't want to say unusual by any means but it was definitely like uh very yeah like abstract almost you know what i mean it's uh well no i appreciate it. i uh i because I definitely wasn't trying to make something boring per se. No, yeah, um, not but at all. I didn't, it was, I didn't mean that. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying it's like it's weird and abstract. Meaning, yeah. like it's uh, at least catches your catches your your ear for sure. Uh-huh. Like the I, it was three or four, I think four or five different samples um, that I from just different sample packs, and basically I warped them all together to uh, I, I found. Like there's, it wasn't even me playing guitar. Like it's not, I didn't, I didn't play on that. That's someone, somebody's sample. I mean, I'm an accomplished guitarist, but that wasn't me. Um, Apparently, like, not apparently. I, I basically warped three, three to five samples and pitched them all together, and they're all layered on top of each other. And I removed two or three, and I had this high pitched like chord progression going on and then just the rhythm guitar and I think um, the trumpets and I realized there was something there and so basically I I heard where there would be sections of music um, and so I basically long story short I had all the things all the tracks together and subtracted some and took some out for the different sections and realized it really made I was, I was trying to just make an emotional point, I guess. Um, is there like a name for that kind of style of like the what do you call it, the subtractive minimalism? I guess producing? so. I, I don't, I don't know what, I guess, the, what to call it. You know what I mean? I guess subtractive, the, the subtractive style. I, uh, it's got like a lo-fi kind of feel to it, though. I think. Too, yeah. You know? Right. It, well, and that's it's an interesting like con like just I guess a conversation just what lo-fi is because some people are are all. Uh, purists about it like no it needs to be it, it can't be over this you know this range gotta be the lowest phi right <laughs> and the lowest phi but like it's uh i i don't know i if if i was like asked what pornhub like what genre pornhub is it i guess i would say lo-fi like I don't know, even know. That's like it's fine. it's so I know it's so great if you, if you don't need to put a name on it because it's like there's you can't come up with a name with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Not great that's, for talent buyers. No, but that's I mean, right. Well, yeah, that's true because we run into that problem with our band all the time. Yeah. Well, it's like I always hate it. to typecast myself, but also it like it is what it is. It's hip hop. It's it's 
it's soulful, but I'd say that it's, uh, you know, it's it's not what you'd expect when someone says lo-fi hip-hop, at least I think. I definitely don't think it's it's like traditional lo-fi hip-hop, but I mean, that things evolve over time. I think it'd be like a modern lo-fi hip-hop, like mm-hmm. a modern take on lo-fi hip-hop, I think, right. you know. And even in Aerospace itself on the Instagram page, it says he's emo, right? Right, it's right. Really and funny. He, we actually had to talk discussion he, we, about yeah, this it's, with like people well, he, under the stairs. He thinks people under the stairs are emo hip-hop. Basically. No, because no, it's like, it's intellectual hip-hop, I understand, but right. at the same time, like, all, all the intellectual hip-hop is just like it's it sounds like emo lyrics you know what I mean like it's kind of sad you know there what I mean? seems to be a huge like a lot of these people like aerospace grew up like like he's my age I was born in 1991 I'm 31 he was he, like <laughs> he <laughs> he like grew up with like bands like Hawthorne Heights yeah. and you know like and and that sort of thing and so it's it's very present and I, I don't know if he listened to that band in particular he might be mad that I mentioned that band but it's like Aerospace was a, a drummer in a metal band, and he did a bunch of stuff in that regard. And he's a big fan of Ben Folds, so he's a weird guy in particular. But the emo like thing is very straight up how he feels. Like it's more, it's not, it's less of a genre, but more so of a like this is what's really going on with emo. Short for emotional. Emotional. Was that what it means? Yeah. Cool. Thanks. But. <laughs> Uh, so I feel like uh, he's got a very uh, like 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 the lyrical content for sure was kind of in that realm for this particular song. It right. was like you know about a girl cheating on him and the whole thing. Right. And, but then it was like uh, uh, his delivery and his flow is very much like Aesop Rock, which uh, I'm I'm a big fan of. And Billy's recently become a very big fan. Not as true. Well. I've liked him for a long time. Oh, for a nice. long time. <laughs> really, like six months. I swear to God, I love Aesop Rock. Like six months. Yeah. No. The. I can't remember the name of the album, but uh, I, I really like it a lot. Like None Shall Pass by ASAP. Uh, that's like one of my favorite songs of all that, time. Uh, that's a good ASAP, song. I, I called him ASAP. I, I do also like ASAP Rocky. Oh, but, you do? Um, I do. It, I haven't really heard one song by him that I've been impressed because I, I like for me, beyond like the beats and stuff, like the, yeah. the lyrics need to hit me. And I feel like he, and I, I could be wrong. I haven't studied his body of work, but the right. stuff that I have heard, I'm just like, you're literally not saying any like you're not even saying words half the time. I definitely get that. You know what I mean. Have you been definitely. seeing the thing going around about uh, the two types of people in the world that how they listen to music? Uh, there's one that's like lyrical, and the other people that actually listen to the or that they can't underst- understand the lyrics. And I'm like, that's that's me and you, 100. percent Because I, I I like love hip hop and uh, for the beats and everything like that, and the rhythm right. of of the lyrics and everything like that. I couldn't I couldn't sing one well, song no, at all. But I would. But, but you're I, all about lyrics, though. I'm all about the lyrics, and, and I'm hip-hop. not. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't, yeah. Not not one's better. All I'm right. trying to say. But like when I listen to it, it's like mush mush music to me. I can't understand <laughs> anything that they're saying. Yeah. To for not for any song. I can't remember lyrics for. <sighs> Right. Well, it's Nobody. like another when when you're just hearing a song for the first time, and especially when there's like a, especially uh, a fast cadence on top or something. There's like 16, 16 note vocals going on top of this beat that you want to be paying attention to the lower end. Like I totally get it. Like it's it's just like a, I don't think it's any anything specific to hip hop per se, but I definitely get what you're saying. It's yeah. it's like a, especially listening to it from just the musical perspective of the voice is an instrument up there and I'm not paying attention to what they're saying yet. 
if, if this is worth paying attention to, I'm going to come back and definitely listen to what they're saying up there. That's definitely a musician's thing. perspective on listening to music in general, right? Because I feel like, right. especially if you've been if you've been in the studio and you've been working the production side of it, like you're always like at least I'll speak for myself. Um, but the first pass at a song. I'm kind of listening to the collective thing, not paying attention to one thing, right. and then I'll give it like another pass, and it's like, okay, I'm going to focus on the bass line, exactly, and then I'll give right. it another pass, and I'll focus on what the drums are doing, and maybe just specifically what the kick is doing, right, and then I'll come back and listen to guitar and vocals, and like, so every time I listen to the song, I'm trying to like pick out another thing to pay attention to specifically. But would you say it's the vocals first though, right, for you? No, never the you vocals first. You don't think first. so? It, I would say that it used to be when I was younger, uh. but as I've gotten more into the studio stuff and production side of things... It be, it's much more about like what's happening under that and then like the lyrics are probably like the last thing I pay attention to now right unless I'm listening to hip hop that's the first thing I pay attention to yeah I think as I've grown like older or maybe matured as a musician or creator or I don't know what you want to call it like I've I've tried to just approach things with like the whole like vibe check like just check to see if it feels good like that's that the, like when I listen to a song for the first time, like the first pass, like you said, like I used to be like hyper-focused on like the thing that I was doing at the time, if I was playing guitar or playing drums, like I'm going to listen to the drum part because I, I could play that for sure. But it's like now I'm, I'm just always, how does this make me feel? <laughs> like, because I guess that's, I'm hyper-aware of, of I'm, 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 I'm hyper-aware of my music affecting people in a negative way. In terms of like, I'm like, I'm a, f I don't know, like I don't want to put out music that's not that doesn't make people feel good. I guess. Yes. Yeah. Feel that. Uh, but I overthink things, very much. So in all facets of life, uh, but music definitely because it's what I care the most about. That's yeah. what I say. Um, uh, I'm upbeat and so is my music. <laughs> I need I need some more like sound effects from from you boys. I don't know what we're paying you for. Like a, a soundboard over here. <laughs> Thank you. What do you get all those exposure bucks for? I don't know what. Exposure bucks. That's yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> I've been it's working for yet. exposure bucks for like 20 years, it feels like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someday. Uh, did you did you make, uh, have you collaborated with any other artists this way as well? Yes. I've, uh, so... I've worked with um, someone called Shaka D Cakes. He's uh, he's from California. He's brilliant, and he uh, I did a song with him and Linux Johnston. Um, basically, I just reached out. I saw there. I I met uh, Shaka online through Aerospace, um, yeah. and I realized that he was just really good. I liked his music that I saw on YouTube, and just sent him an email saying, "I really like your music. I'd like to just make you something. Can I make you a beat?" And that's literally what I did. So no, no in at all. Just no. I didn't ask to, for him to pay me. I just said, "Can I? I I really like your music. I'm all about it. Can I send you something?" But now you got uh, aerospace on your resume too, right? Right. Yeah. And so there it's it's like I he's building an empire because I got here, <laughs> I appreciate you. <laughs> it's like I I realized oh, I, I I guess it kind of clicked with me that I just it's about the music. It's not about I'm, I want I need to make money. Like I need it. I need. Um, I'm not made of money, but I. This music needs to mean something if I'm gonna do it. Um, but I. I ended up just sending. I, and, and it's not like I just made some crap and just sent it off. Be like, I'll just send this for free. No. It's like I really. I just put myself into this beat, and it's just kind of a, a piano-based, open beat with drums and stuff. And I, I sent it to to Shaka and and Lennox Johnston, and they. One of them laid in some vocals, and then 
the other one was on fire because of what they did, and they were on fire because of the beat I made. It was just a good collaborative process because it was all, like, I live in Florida, Shaka lives in California, I believe that Linux lives in Washington State. So it was just all, okay, the beat's done, here's the beat and you guys' emails, and then somebody returned with a verse before the other. And then, you know, it was that sort of thing. Um, I've gotten really good, I guess, at that collaborative process. Can you kind of speak to some of the pluses and minuses of the remote collaborations? Definitely. Um, I think that that it's, it's definitely what I have the most experience with, I guess, at the at the moment. But in terms of cohesiveness and really getting a sound, you can really rein in something by, you know, I... I like you can be silly about it. like I've only made this in my underwear in my room you know and my my cat was there every time so there's a vibe but literally vibe. but literally you, it's that sort of thing where if you go to a studio or you're asking you know and this isn't always true obviously there's producers who you spend a lot of good money to help get a cohesive sound but if when you're starting out and you're just going from maybe somebody's room to living room to bedroom to studio to bedroom because the DAW is where the DAW is. It's it, You kind of miss out on the cohesiveness. So I guess the cohesiveness of working on your own is one benefit. The not having to worry about looking cool for somebody to when you're recording a take. You guys record plenty. You know it's like I get in my head too much. You know, you, I would get in my head recording in front of people I didn't know. Or something. We we'll go to a studio and record in gym shorts, man. Like, there's nothing <laughs> yeah. cool about it. It all hang out, just vibe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I feel like like comfort is by far the yeah, most absolutely. important thing in the studio. And that's, then, that's the pro for remote, I think. And yeah. it's there's, I mean, you do end up stuck in your head a lot, um, which I end up like definitely needing to just go outside or, you know, just literally just I, I don't need to make music today, and it feels really counterintuitive because that's what you do, and you're. It's like, especially when you're not making a really great living yet, you know, you're not paying, I'm not totally like paying my bills with music. It's like, so when you take a day off from the thing you're working toward, you're like, man, my friends just graduated college and have jobs and uh, I, I, I should go work on music. But, but in your mind, you're like, I'm giving myself a break so I don't go crazy over yep. this music. Yeah. It's such a cycle. Um, so when you're working by yourself, you can just like succumb to your worst uh, thoughts of yourself, I guess. Um, I'm also curious about the, because uh, I've done some remote collaborations as well, uh, typically not with like, I guess I've, I've written stuff too and collaborated in that way, but more of just like the, uh, the, the communication aspect of it, right? Where it's like you have an idea. And again, we were talking about before the podcast where a lot of it comes down to knowing the language, whether it's like the music theory side of it or, or it's like the production terms, right? Right. But then... There's just certain like vibes or certain some things you're, like that you're trying to create, um, or even like certain performance uh, expectations you want to meet, and it's not always easy or uh, just the language is not always always obvious if you're not there in person because so much of it is like body language and how you're communicating in person and right. like kind of pointing things out as you go. And when you're not there on the ground with them, I feel like it, a lot gets lost in translation. Can you speak to some of that? Definitely. Well, it's, it's, I've been so fortunate with the people that I've ended up working with because they all seem to take it very seriously. Cause if, if 
these beats landed in the laps of someone who just didn't really care. It, it would just, I, I'm, the reason why I say that I'm so lucky is because since we really didn't talk too much, it was just, they understood the vibe that I initially sent, I guess, with the beat, and, but I didn't get a chance to say, hey, it would be really cool if you guys had some, some reverb on your backing vocals, but it sounds like you're in the back of the room, so, you know, like, space it out. Like, I can't, you know, specify that, but I totally would in person, so it's... And, like, in real time and everything, too, yeah. Right, and <laughs> exactly. so... With the Shaka D Cakes and Linux Johnston song, I didn't mix that. Somebody else did, um, and they did a they did a great job. But I'm I'm so anal about my production. Like I produced the beat, so when I first realized someone else was doing, it, I'm like, oh. like I don't know how. But you know, um, but it is what it is. And especially with music, I think I just need to the music industry. I need to be okay with someone else mixing my stuff. Um, but it's. Uh, I, th I think I went off on a tangent here. No, it's okay. It's it's all it's all kind of in the same realm, but yeah, it's also so. something that I that I've, I've learned as well. Uh, and, and Chris and I worked on a collaboration together with um, my friend Kane Daniel out, out in New York or in L.A. And then um, my friend J.L. Folks up in Nashville. Hmm. And our our very good friend Keith Harry from the River Rats out in Nashville. Nice. And I wrote this uh, guitar stuff, and then. Um, had like a loose arrangement of horns and Chris and I kind of collaborated on that to fix that and had the Let's Ride Brass Band come in and play horns on that nice. which was really fun um, but something that I went into that thinking about was like okay well you know first off it's COVID times so like, and then second off it's like we're all just kind of doing this just to stay creative no one's getting paid on this kind of thing right. so in my mind I was like let's just collaborate and just We'll give them like a template to work with, right? But then let them interpret the template in the way they want to interpret it, and then just let it be, just very exactly. hands off. Like, like if you want, if you, if like we send some sheet music to Chris to help with writing the, some of the sheet music for the horns and for the bass, and uh, but it was like okay, however you want to interpret this this music, hmm. uh, interpret it, and then I'm just I'm not even gonna have notes. I'm just gonna leave it alone. And right. it was that was a really hard thing because people come back with things and you're like, I don't love that take of that or I don't love what you're doing here, but this is something that I I, I need, I'm gonna stick to my guns on being hands off about it and just let it happen and it ended up you know, of course if it was all in my control I would have done it probably a little differently, but at the same time it was like that wasn't the experiment you know right exactly I. I I definitely resonate with that. My my dad, who's in the other room, shout out to him, uh, Jay Fesco. Um, he once like said to me one time um, that really stuck with me. He's like, you, if if you're a producer making music for somebody else to rap on or solo on or do something, it's almost like you're a carpenter, and they're going to put something in that, and you don't know what's going to be in it, but it's going to be it's going to mean a lot to them, or it might not. But it's like I always kind of like that little that metaphor of. Of uh, of a carpenter making like being the producer, and then it's still gonna it's gonna turn into this whole different life when it gets to the person that it's meant for, or you know what they put in it. It's uh you know it's it's that sort of mind that sort of thought process I, I kind of think about a lot because I'm I make so much music that I end up just getting lost in my own rut, I guess. Yeah, of I like that. Well, here's another MP3. Here's another MP3. Here's another. You know, um, it's I uh, I'm because like the whole commodity rap thing. Like his metaphor helped me kind of 
appreciate no like every little thing is meant to be a little thing and you should spend time on on you know like just it's just that mind that process of the the thought process of a carpenter making something like every little thing is different it doesn't have to be this big perfect thing it's going to be something for somebody um now understanding your uh kind of uh like having the experience that you have with uh working remotely now different artists um, are you pickier about the people that you choose to work with or are you just kind of saying yes to everything still? I'm definitely pickier uh, and at least at the moment in terms of I really just want to I almost don't want to add any blemishes to to my my resume in terms of the people I work with I really love like I I really love aerospace I really love Shaka I really love Linux like and so it really has to resonate with me. I guess, and that's where it started in terms of like when I was scrubbing the toilets, like I was listening to that sort of music because that's what was getting me through scrubbing toilets for 10 hours at Top Golf. And so it resonated with me at the time because I needed that music to just push me through. Like I make this music. Like, so I wanted to continue to make music that resonates with me and the rappers that I'm working with and the artists per se are what they're speaking on on the songs that I'm producing still mean a lot to me and so I mean I guess I'm pickier in terms of I'm I know the palettes that I can work with at the moment right. I guess um, but also I I'm afraid to say no as a producer because I'm I've seen how quickly things can just happen by sending a free beat to someone's email and developing this really beautiful relationship and it's like I've I've gotten to meet Shaka in person uh, um actually um at a aerospace show in Tampa and I got to meet aerospace in person also um and it's just it's great to like after working collaboratively separately for so long to actually like shake hands and look you in the eye and, and like listen to the song that you made and just be like dude how did you know, um, it's just, I'm enamored with music, so I, like, that's why, I, like, I just go off on these tangents, like, I, like, music, like, uh, I feel like I can say more with a guitar than I can speaking, like, I'm stumbling, like, I feel like I've just been doing a terrible interview or something. No, <laughs> no, 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 I mean, But it's great. like, I feel, I appreciate it, thank you, I, I just, I feel like I can say more with clicking on Ableton or clicking or playing my guitar. Um, I think everybody here feels that way. We're all musicians. You know, we all have like an art that we're... You guys are all killer too. Like the people off camera, like people oh, yeah. on camera. Hey like, boys. You want to wave? Hey. Yeah, wave, wave there you go. and Chris. I bought my, uh, my PRS from Chris yeah. Underdahl like years back and it's still an incredible guitar. Still rocking that shit. Um to, You're an incredible guitarist. Went to some great hands, man. <laughs> it's an SE series, so we'll forgive you for that. For that but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was, okay. it's guitar stuff. I know. Yeah. It's so, you literally it, just said a bunch of letters, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Element OP, dude. That's yeah. one of those things where it's like it's not even a normal PRS like looking PRS. Like it, that's what struck me. It's like, oh, I've got a unique looking. P it's PRSs are already unique, right? Yeah. But and I, I remember because. I ended up kind of coming into the Jacksonville music scene more so um, through 
like I was on the Jacksonville Jaguars drum line for five seasons, and then after that, I I decided to leave the the drum line and focus on writing my own music and doing a band thing. And we this band that I started to put together with my friend Dylan O'Reilly called the Capgraw Brothers, we uh, would start going to the Perfect Rack Jam um, out in off of Edgewood, I think. Yep. Um, and I remember seeing. It's it's interesting the crew that's running this now is because you guys were around back then, right? Yeah. And so I remember seeing Chris, I remember seeing Gene, I remember seeing you, and you in particular, like uh, you, because we were talking before the podcast about how Jacksonville, the jam scene, like the the live like open mic come play, is very Leonard Skinner and Steve Ray Vaughan fueled, and that stuff's great. I like that music, but it's like everybody. That's what's, you know, it's like I, I, I go, when I go out to hear live music or at a jam, like, I guess we're going to hear Stevie Ray Vaughan. And, you know, that's not a bad thing. And I love Stevie Ray Vaughan. You went up and soloed, and I just saw you solo for the first time, and it was like, it, you blew me away. And I was just like, always just, I just remembered, I think I shook your hand that night. I can't recall. But I'm just like so thankful to be here. It's years later. Like, I remember just seeing you and be like, Damn, his band is so clean together. He's just closing his eyes, just going for it. That's what I want. Like, so like even back then, like big influence on me, man. Oh, like, I I'm, I'm it's gotten for you. way worse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna need you to say that again into the mic for Billy <laughs> because um, I don't think he quite gets it. But <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, there every night, bud. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate, it, man. It means a lot. Thank yeah, you. Man. Keyboard players hear all. So. Well, not, Billy only hears himself most of the time. Excuse but. me. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Seriously. Ha 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 ha. Thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I like some claps at least. You know what I mean. We'll get to. We're gonna yeah. get. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sounds, we can do that now at least. Sounds, Hell yeah. That sounds good. Gonna, we gotta get some samples. Fuck guys. yeah. I'm about that. <laughs> we gotta get some samples. I'm gonna going. do. I'll be golf clap, golf clap, and I'm gonna get that sample going. Oh, uh, Billy's got an Ableton set up now, so we'll just have a pad do, set that's up right. here, yeah, and then some... you can just hit it whenever you want it, and that'll look really just <laughs> egotistical because you'll be doing it yourself. My but beautiful I think girlfriend good. bought me a uh, uh, the Launchpad X, nice. and it comes with Ableton Lite. Nice. So I'm really excited to to get all into it. I just I'll probably hit you up for some I'm down some to tips help. and stuff because I'm awful at that. <laughs> I ended up like with Ableton because I just worked my way through all these other DAWs. Like I, I started learning like uh, beats on Fruity Loops three. Ooh, like, yeah. My dad. That's I did. Taught me like Fruity Loops like was such a such a huge learning process for me. It was in middle school. Fruity Loops three, learning how to just press in on the piano roll and make a little melody and get little 808 beats going. And, um, cause if my dad didn't teach me that back then, I don't think I'd be doing this now, but I started with Fruity Loops. I ended up trying Cakewalk oh, yeah. Pro Tools Pro. I, I liked Pro Tools except anytime a MIDI keyboard got touched, I'd get the blue screen of death. Oh, weird. you know, and like, so anytime MIDI like got unplugged, it was just, it was a hassle. And then I, I heard this uh, producer, Flying Lotus, from uh, Los Angeles, and there's this album called Cosmogramma, and I realized he did pretty much all of it with Ableton, and I was going to try a, a trial anyway, and my dad and I are both producers, and he was frustrated, and he, my dad was, has been graciously funding my musical endeavors by, all through my life, so that version of Fruity Loops I learned on, like, he, he got way back in the day, so... Eventually, we realized, all right, let's get Ab- give Ableton a try, because I really like this album. This sounds crazy. I can't believe he made this. 
And I've just been with Ableton ever since. One of the biggest things is when the computer does crash, when Ableton comes back up, it's like, do you want to save that stuff? Because <laughs> yeah. I still got it. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 that's that's a big thing for me. Um, but no, I the workflow is really quick for me because I just work with a bunch of samples and it's really easy to cut little waveforms down and microsample. I like to microsample things like someone just clapping, like trim that way down, get the tail, put a bunch of reverb on it and make it the backing of whatever you have and sidechain it. Just like doing weird stuff with individual sounds and Ableton makes that so easy if you get into the right workflow. But I definitely see how it wouldn't be the best for others. Like with a live band, if you're trying to just get a full live take, I don't know. Like I would pick Ableton because that's the one I know <laughs> if I had to do it. But I think if I owned a studio, I'd I'd want it. You know, a Pro Tools rig. That's if I'm running a, a rock band. But we something. can all agree that Logic can just burn in hell. Yes, right? <laughs> I, like, I, I like Logic because it's it's the closest to GarageBand. Yeah, and oh that's uh, what I, <laughs> and that's what I learned on. So we were, we were, I still use Audacity. So yeah. like, <laughs> we were trying to record a uh, the intro uh, song to our podcast last night and was trying to figure that shit out for like ever. And I just like, can we? Oh, I wish I had any other operating system or an operating <laughs> system DAW to use. Right. I, I was good at Cubase. That was like mm. so simple. I was like, Oop, that's good to go. Well, yeah. that's the, I like just, that's the problem with DAWs is just getting the workflow to where you don't have to, yeah. real, you don't have to think that, okay, I'm. Just shortcuts, shortcuts, shortcuts. Right. Yep. Like, exactly. Like, control, control D, like, duplicate, control Z. You know, the, it's control alt F. In, in Ableton, like that's you, you'll select two transients and fade them in. Huge lifesaver for me because, like, I use samples all the time and they all sound terrible with each other if you don't fade that out, fade that one out very subtly to make them loop together. Nice. And right. so it's like Ableton allows you to zoom way in on the thing and, like, there's just shortcuts that it seems like cheating and it feels like cheating because it's, and it, and it kind of, I guess it, it isn't cheating, but it's like you're taking the thing and I'm just control D. I'm going to duplicate it, duplicate it, duplicate it, take out this little thing. Okay, that sounds weird. Like, that's literally how I've come up with the coolest things. It's just, I'm just going to try this weird little thing. And Ableton allows you to do all those little... You're you're limited by yourself with Ableton. I've found. Yeah, like I will say, Logic sucks for that. Hmm. Yeah, Lo- like Logic. And most things, I'd say. No, <laughs> there's there's a lot of pluses for it, but but when it comes to like making beats and just being user friendly in that regard, right? It is the especially. I mean, I don't have a uh, like I don't have like a like a MIDI keyboard or like I don't have any kind or drum pads or like anything. Like, I'm like like keying it in on my computer. Right. You know, so it's like. That shit is just not friendly for that. I want to. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, like, like when you're trying to like loop stuff or like copy and paste things and like trying to create, like, if we, or if you make a beat and then try and like copy and paste that, it's like it just it loses things. Like, like just the MIDI stuff uh, or MIDI functions on Logic are just not really? like up to speed. I feel like, but for recording like live instruments and stuff, it's so like intuitive to me because it's again like GarageBand is basically like idiot proof I feel like so and Logic <laughs> is based off of that right at least now it is you know I've always been the, the Windows guy like I've just my, my dad's a computer uh, software engineer has, has always been around computers and programming and stuff so but I've just been a Windows kid I yeah. guess so it's like I I know that live um, at like Apple is so reliable if like 
Ableton on a stage playing an entire show out of a laptop. And I'm not just saying just press and play to, to play a show, but like running MIDI controllers. Like Apple is so reliable, and I know so many producers who rely on that it's not going to crash mid-set. That's the whole point. Yeah. You know, and and I'll give them that, but I've I've... I mean, just saying, there's a MacBook over there, boys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Knock on, on wood. Recording on a Dell. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, just the one time. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but see, I mean, and that goes to show that that will still happen. But I, that's the, I mean, that's the thing I would bring up is that people always say that Apple's really reliable, but I, I've made everything Jeez, I made the computer. Wrong. You know what yeah. I was thinking about? Like, have you ever seen those Rubik's Cubes, like, fastest solve competitions yeah. before? I want to see that, but with for <laughs> producers, for, like, DJs. And, like, all right, you have 30 seconds to write a song. And then, like, well, 30 the, seconds, right? No, 30 seconds to write a song. And then it's like, <laughs> I bet, I guarantee you, they, they'd have some. That would be really fun. Like, would be dope. Get into I think it. the biggest thing, you'd have, to, I guess you'd have to figure out the whole, like, the sample base, like, are you you're playing everything, or are you have you have this set sample to use? No, so so they, it would be yeah, it would be like the Olympics of producing, and it would be like yeah, thirty second freestyle. That would be so whatever much you fun. Want. Whatever you want to do, yeah. Hundred meters. Also, you're swimming. Yeah. <laughs> also, you're also, swimming. You're yeah. swimming. <laughs> and we'll stream it on TikTok. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. We'll just stream it on everything. That makes me want to try that, honestly. Yeah. 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 I, I, there's guy. It, I'm sure yeah. it's online somewhere. Like, <laughs> I want to make a song in ten seconds and see how. Well, that's pretty. That's pretty short, but yeah. Oh. I'm All just right, trying so to literally figure out how to do that. I'm just like. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of writing songs, uh, bottom of the Billboard. Hey. Okay. So um, yeah, I want uh, to get into this segment. So for those who don't know, bottom of the Billboard is a segment that we do every single week. Um, we re- uh, one of us, Billy or I, picks a song to be reviewed, and if you know anything about our dynamic. We don't agree on anything musically, so it ends up being really fun. Are you yawning right now? No, my jaw start was hurting. Oh, you stop doing blow. You'll have that. It goes away. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, um, yeah. So uh, my song this week that I'm picking is Future Nostalgia by uh, Dua Lipa. Uh, awesome. Before you start talking about why you like it so much, boys, could you look up uh, the name of the producer for this track? Jeff Basker. Okay. I was, okay thanks. And then uh, also... Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, on Wikipedia, all the songs that uh, he's produced. All right, keep going. I know who Jeff Basker is. I'm not trying to do this for you. Oh. You selfish dumbo. What are you trying to do it for? <laughs> um, for, for later. Yeah, keep I'm not on. seeing this guy's name listed as it's any of the producers. Jeff Basker, he produced that, that song specifically, I'm pretty sure. You should look um, up like who produced that no. song on Wikipedia. It That's is what I'm trying to say. Gene, send this out to him. Or, if you, or if you... It's on Spotify. Look up, no, not the album, the song. Yeah, the song. Wait, Stephen Cause is on this? No, that that's the album. Oh, okay. He is. His, his name's right here. He worked with uh, Corey that's Wong. the name. Yeah, he did. Do it. Look up the Future Nostalgia song. Yeah, if you look yeah, up, on the, Spotify, the it comes up one. as Jeff Basker being the producer on it. Yeah, that's who it is. I just wanted to... Right, yeah, Jeff, Jeff Basker. Basker. Okay. And just pull that up for a second and then He went turn to it Berkeley with Eric Krasno and... Bunch, no shit. Yeah, they were that's roommates. Awesome. Yeah. I just wanted... If you can pull it up on Wikipedia and go to his discography, that'd be great. Um, so can I talk about the song now? Absolutely. Okay. You're the one who did all this shit, man. Okay. <laughs> it, it was way to go. It was ready to go. But right. You had to... Sorry. Call me dumb. I didn't call you dumb. He actually in, said in, it was in, Jeff In Basker less than first. a few words. In more than words. Yeah, you did. Okay. Like, like the extreme song? Yeah. It's a good song. Um, anyways, I love the 80s too, bud. That was early 90s, actually. That's okay. Ah, um, we'll, get, we'll get into that conversation <laughs> later. But uh, Future Nostalgia, I love this song because I think it's kind of got like a retro 
uh, feel like it kind of reminds me of like 80s prints if you will mm. but like mu- like way better production obviously because it's 2021 yeah, when it was right. written um and uh i love some of the harmony that happens like towards the end of the song they do like some cool like weird uh like two fives like reharmed stuff that happens oh, the piano part. On the, yeah. that's what yeah, i was gonna bring up Sunday that's my favorite part of the yeah. song yeah and it's cool because it only happens the one time in the song and she does that a lot uh in her songs where there'll be like one thing that happens just this one time mm. and it's just like it, I, I just love that concept with some pop music um i think the vocal performances are amazing her voice is so like flawless on the records i think one of her songs not this one but one like best backup harmonies uh, really? On an album for 2021 at the mm-hmm. Grammys, yeah. Uh, there's a, there's yeah. a, s- s- <laughs> for one Grammys for best backup harmonies. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, because oh, wow. it, but the production was so amazing, uh, just the way that they layered everything. And, sure, sure, sure. Um, anyways, yeah, I love this and, and all like the effects on the voices and like how they kind of put in like this. I, I love that kind of like stuttering, almost broken up thing that they do on right. stuff. Uh, yeah, so I, I just really more so than anything, the lyrics or whatever. I mean, they're kind of they're kind of like you know, it's a funny kind of spin on it. But it's really more of the, the overall production value on this song that I just love, and just, the whole album is honestly. I haven't. I, this is the first time I've really actually like sat down and listened to a Dua Lipa song before, and uh, everything you said, like hundred percent with you. It's really just the 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 kind of like tongue and cheekiness of the the lyrics and the kind of. Kesha vibe that she has yeah. with the the lyrics that kind of made me just go. Eh, it's kinda like the song roll. is self aware of itself. That's, or, that's or some, what it is, or something you know, like yeah. that, right? Yeah. But uh, other than that, like you said, like all the like the the crazy like it's not. It, to me, it kind of sounds like glitches almost, like where it's right. just like every like there just be like mm, there's just like a one little like what this. So that's what I wanted to, to talk about. Ever and so I, I started looking up the pro- producer of, of this track and the uh, song that it reminded me of was the uh, that that Bruno Mars song. The oh my god, how can I not think of that now? The the, the oh he produced the, Kesha the, also. That I, yeah that see that's what I'm trying to it's say. Like and Harry stop. No, it's ridiculous. The everything, all the songs that he that he's done. I think it, the the famous Bruno Mars song. The <laughs> which one? There's a, there's which a one? The, the like the most the, famous one that's on like the. Are you the one? That, is it the one with Anderson Park? Oh, uh, Uptown, Uptown Funk. Uptown yeah, Funk. Uptown Funk. So he 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 produced that song. Oh, he did. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to that say. That was a massive, massive huge shit, right? Yeah. And then like uh, uh, it it looked like this is insane. All all the stuff that and there. Uh, well, that makes a lot more sense now listening to the because my my opinion of. The song is it sounds like like you said the 80s it reminded me of a little bit of the Ghostbusters theme with the the really stabby like mm-hmm. um synths and stuff yeah, yeah. you know it's, it reminds me of the part of the Ghostbusters theme without the but it's just like the like all those big as a producer it sounded like a bunch of different things that they kind of tried to force to get to to work with each other but I really like how clean her vocals are like I I like like it makes sense now when you mentioned the ba- the backup vocals of the past albums were so critically acclaimed because I could tell she was singing that for sure. Like well, it was on that, that album. It was on that album that, that she won the Grammys for on, on, oh, on the gotcha. backup vocals. Yeah, so sweet. Well, yeah, no, I could definitely because, like you said, this was the first time I've listened to her her music before. Um, but I I can't help but be like, well, it kind of sounds like '80s, like Maxwell or whatever the song is. Um, the 
there's the coffee a, song. They, in the, that, in the, that, yeah. In, in that <laughs> article, they they had the best. Uh, 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 the coffee song. No, 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 no. It was uh, they called it Tomorrow Pop, and I was like, oh, mm. that's pretty dope. Oh, like, future nostalgia. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah, right. But like you said, the whole the the lyrics, like the the song is like aware of itself being a cool song. I like that perspective. Did you ever see? <laughs> did you ever see the movie Get Him to the Greek? Yes. Yeah. His girlfriend, like the famous guy's girlfriend. That's what it reminds me of. The 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 talking about. The ring around the pose. And oh, yeah. That one. And it's just talking about butt sex the whole time. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's kind of that's kind of the vibe that I got from the lyrics. And uh, what a slap in the face to be like, hey, we really like your song, and we're gonna give you a grant for best backup vocals. Yeah. That's <laughs> like what? Yeah. Mm. That, and that's really more. And that's really more of like a win for the producers than it is. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> like, you mic'd this really well, and they gave a great performance, an amazing <laughs> performance. Yeah. I'm, but I'm definitely not. You want to take anything away from them? By what? Yeah. So I'm not. I'm not driving down the street blasting this song like it's it's that's yeah I'm, I'm gonna say yes because of everything that you said i agree with you about the production of it the uh the vocals are real clean i guess but i mean like you can say that about a lot of songs and then what my favorite thing about it is all the synthy stuff yeah so it it, it wins my vote but i don't really like it you don't my really favorite like it. part is what you mentioned that weird like the the one four five chord progression they added the weird neo jazz kind of yeah chords like there these like reharms of like a two but five or something I it's don't nice. see myself listening to this in Ever, the car again right? I've I've actually like listened to this record from front to back on yeah. repeat like, you really like it a lot. I do because there's other songs on there that are really good too um mm. and it, it just just really good like club like dance songs like that are just very well produced again it's not even like so much of the songs themselves are like hitting me in any kind of way. It's right. just like that. There's some really catchy melodies, and then there's um, uh, just the the production value of it that I was really impressed by. But as far as like, uh, and no offense to Dua Lipa, I'm sure she's listening, or whatever her real name is. If that's her name, that's awesome. That is her name. Yeah, that's fucking cool shit. Cool she she's an alien, hundred percent. Yeah, until you confirm. She looks like one. Well, I I didn't even see what she looked she's like. She's very pretty though. But it's it's that. <laughs> I didn't hear what you said. I said she's very pretty, though. Oh, nice. All right. You didn't but do the she, camera look again. <laughs> she didn't write this, right? Like, he, he wrote it. Well, um... That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, so that... I, then I that's actually, what we're talking about, right? Aren't right. we? Yeah, so... so I, like, we're like, do Libra's Graham. Like, is he... Is she or is it this guy... <laughs> This this guy Jeff that Baskin. that also did like Uptown Funk and all these other songs. Yeah, like, I mean, I, where's know, that album? Well, I, I don't I don't know if I don't know if he like wrote the chord progressions. Like she might have had a guitar and like had some simple stuff happening. Yeah. But you know, ultimately, yeah, I think I, I think a lot of this album was kind of written We're not by the producers. About the chord progressions, though. No, we? you're right. You're right. We're talking about the production uh, the production value of the, of the songs, and that's where that's uh, really this is more to me like a nod to Jeff Basker than it is to Dua Lipa. But yeah. she's the artist, so mm-hmm. she gets the credit for it. She gets it. the credit. Right. She's a face, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I, don't, I didn't. Uh, what does Jeff Basker look like? I'm, he's a good looking dude. <laughs> What's he look yeah, like, dude? Oh my god, that's Jeff Basker. That's not Jeff Basker. <laughs> no. Um, that, he was uh, he was on Krasno's podcast. They talked about being roommates together at Berkeley and all wow, that stuff. Wow, they were roommates. Yeah, and they were roommates. That's from Vine, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, he seems like a pretty neat dude. He kind of looks like the uh, serial killer from No Country for Old Men. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, that guy's like just popping out hits. That guy wrote Up- Uptown Funk. That yeah. dude. Yeah. No, Mark he looks Ronson. Like he didn't do Uptown Funk. Yes, he did. No, he, he produced did. it. That's what's not on Wikipedia. It, it, that's what that was I the basis of our conversation. 
You can you can go back there and look that I'll, that picture I'll, that you're I'll hovering post, over right there. Hang I'll on, post the link. Uh, go down one. No, not okay. All right. Okay, well, you guys just I'm gonna grab another. That one looks like he's the No Country from Old Men guy, hundred percent. What are you what are you doing? Getting a drink. Oh, okay. Sure. Yep. I'll have another beer. Thank you. I'll take one. But yeah, it's just crazy to me, I, and I get it. Like it's all because it's pop. Like it, it the, his giant catalog of music that he's written for people. Like he had Kanye West, Bruno Mars again. Like I said, Taylor Swift, Kesha. Apparently, it's interesting that the whole like the Uptown. I know like where there's a conversation here now of whether he produced Uptown Funk or not. But it's like that style of song is kind of the same style of what we just listened to, the Future Nostalgia, or whatever. The it's like they. The, it seems to me as a producer like they they went at it like hey we want to sound kind of like 80s you know kind of vibe and they had just like when I was saying earlier the whole we're gonna mix 808s with emo like, yeah it, I, I can't knock it because it's just like the whole Uptown Funk is definitely a mix of like because that's where that that song in itself, that song right there, I feel like that was like a like almost like a turning point in this like in how pop stopped being like, uh, like you know just very very basic and stuff and started getting really into the kind of fundamentals of jazz a little bit and also just branching out and sounding a lot on this song. No no no, Uptown Funk. Uh, I was saying that was kind of the, the turning point of it. So there's Did, so many different producers now like that are going for hey let's go for that. Let's make Sound, something more intellectual dude. or like something right. harder instead of just making something catchy. You know what I mean? Uh, I would right. say that, that. I would say that. And that's that guy. I think. Can we? Well, can no, we get a definite I, I answer? Say, if all right, wrote all it? right. Gene did no. some more homework. Did he? Did he produce it? He co-produced it. All right. Uh, well, okay, co-produced well, it with he, who? Mark Bruno Mars. And who else did you Mark say? Mark Ronson. Yeah, Mark Bruno Ronson Mars. too. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I would say I, I would say that there was probably some of that element already happening in pop music in the seventies. In eighties as well, if you talk about like, yeah, but you know, like obviously, but then it changed, and I was like, but now it's a, a turning point because before that, it was just like, I guess, in sync. Well, it was Kesha. Yeah, yeah pop music went She's down the hill, downhill for a while there, but I think kind of like like <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I really think honestly, the jam scene kind of uh, started getting its fingers into the pop world and that's when that thing that stuff kind of started happening again GMC, what do you mean like Krasno started producing songs for like 50 Cent Krasno and, and Adam what, Deitch really? yeah they were producing Wolfpack uh, Back Pocket was used in like Apple commercials that's yeah. true they're and, that's well that's a band in and of itself that's yeah separate but. and then Je- and like you know Jeff ba- guys like Jeff Basker and people like they were kind of coming out of that jazz and jam world that started getting their fingers in the pop world and uh, that's when you start to notice that kind of re-emergence of the jazz and funk influence but and I, pop. I dig it. It's almost like they're sneaking it in. Yeah, it's exactly and what it is. Like, I love it. <laughs> and, and, and making it like be like uh, making people like actually, I don't like this other stuff before. I like this new stuff. I'm like, yeah. You know, it's funny, the man. good stuff. And we're elitists. <laughs> I put on Wolfpack Radio. At, like on Spotify All for, the time. for break music on, uh, on my uh, during the gigs, people fucking jam out to that. Not, shit. At, yeah. not at the Vuswar, they didn't. No, not they there. were like, turn that shit off. We paid twenty dollars to hear Garth Brooks on Touch Tunes. Yeah. <laughs> and we were like, okay, we'll turn it off, and then just immediately, I know friends. That's the first place. That's, <laughs> I have friends. That, right, I that's the first. That's the first place that's happened. Everywhere else, people get down to that shit. That is true. And though. I'm just like, 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 who's this? If they would put that on the fucking radio, our culture would just be better as a whole. Yeah. I feel the like. radio. Yeah. Nobody listens to the radio except for me. 
I swear to God, you'd be surprised. Man. There's a lot of people out there that. Do you don't. know what's on the radio now? Like put on, put on like one uh, one hundred six. Is it still Aerosmith? No, man. I'm saying like the <laughs> new stuff. The new stuff is all all TikTok songs. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's yeah. crazy. It's, it's, yeah. I'm just like this song's on TikTok. Like and like who's this artist? Like why is this famous? It's only famous like from King there. Princess and stuff like that. I'm yeah. telling you. And that's you're just why like, like w- earlier when I was like, well, the the soulful beats. You know, that's where I'm trying to go for. It's like, but like the whole. I don't mind making these big trap beats and I like making those and that's typically what sells on TikTok is why I brought it up is like the whole just I don't know uh, I'm losing my headphones here the like I the I guess what everybody wants to hear on the radio now with hip hop it seems is TikTok and that the whole TikTok like recipe is you want this sound this thing in your song that's like not musical but it's but can be acted out or is almost musical but can be acted out and then the beat drops and that song that sound is still there and then people can dance do this little it. dance to it and then the beat drops and they do these other dances to it it's like there's a typecast kind of beat that's really popular for that and i've noticed you're right it's like on the radio it's turning more into What's popular on TikTok? Those song, those songs are literally on there. And what's so funny too is like, because uh, TikTok usually those clips are like thirty seconds, right. and then on or the less. radio you're hearing the whole three minute thing. You're like, oh, exactly right. And the thing is, this. there's some really good, <laughs> there's some really good beats on TikTok, and there's some just there's really that, not. like that 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 Willow Smith song that's mm. like think eleven consciousness in the sixth dimension. If you listen to the rest of the song, you're just like. Uh, I can already right. tell by that one lyric that's going to be a terrible song. No, it's like super popular. And <laughs> actually, it's like super catchy and everything. <laughs> Would you discover mushrooms like yesterday? You know what I mean? <laughs> Give her a break. She's just a kid. You know how old I mean? is she? I don't know. Google how old Willow Smith is. I think she's got to be like in her early 20s Please. at this point. And we can all, I think it's safe to say by your early 20s, you kind of got she over wrote it. She wrote it like back in like 20, fifth dimension, 2019. Sixth dimension that song. Kind of stuff. 21. 21 so she was old. writing this in the 17th. Okay, that's fine then. But it sounds like it was written by a 17 year old, is all I'm saying. Dust in the wind. <laughs> That's a good lyric. Um, all right, so I do want to talk about um, some of the other stuff that you had going on in the past. Um, you were endorsed by, uh, how do you say this company's name? Kanonikin. Kanonikin. Um, this is a Russian guitar company, or just in, or do they make basses too? No, they just make uh, guitars. Okay, um, so what do you, um, uh, what, what was it like being endorsed by his company, and why do you support Vladimir Putin? <laughs> <laughs> I do not support Vladimir Putin. <laughs> like, uh, I, uh, I would just, before this company approached me, they approached me on uh, on Instagram um, uh, a year or so back, and I was just releasing guitar cover videos. Like, I would make a, a looper cover, like, with my guitar loop uh, pedal, and I was just basically just shedding and soloing on these videos, and... Excuse me. And uh, Kanoni Keen sent me an Instagram video, I mean, an Instagram message, and followed me saying, in broken English, it wasn't, <laughs> it was in broken English. If you read it out loud, it sounds kind of, if you say it with a Russian accent, it kind of sounds kind of funny. All respect to them. But it's, it was, they just reached out and said, we really, really like what you do and um, like the, the emotion behind what you're playing. How would you feel about if we endorsed you um, and we, we sent you a guitar and you would basically record videos for our social media and just keep doing what you're doing, record these videos at home. We don't want to tell you what to make. You just make uh, make videos with our guitar. I said, well, sure, absolutely. And that was the first like uh, endorsement that I've ever gotten. And so I, I, I got the guitar and I just I spent a year or so, it, it's been a blur, uh, a year or so before this war happened, I was making all these covers of like 
it would be the So Will to Danny California, the So Will to Time by Pink Floyd. Those are two specific ones I remember sending. And it's just all produced by me and edited by me. And I basically paid off what I owed from the guitar. Uh, like They gave me a, a great price on a nice guitar. And then I basically sent them a message um, a few months back saying, hey, I'm, I'm really starting to work with aerospace and starting to produce. I don't think I'm going to be doing these bi-monthly videos anymore. Is that okay with you guys? And they're, they're all respectful and saying, we're, we're so thankful to still have you on our team and just, you know, we, your videos, they, they just really are appreciative of me. And then, like, weeks later, this whole war thing happened and they don't even have internet there legally. Like, I think they have to get some illegal internet because I, I don't think, like, literally you can go on Twitter over there. Um, oh. So it's like they're having to get a, a VPN just yeah. to be able to handle their work emails. So I haven't really... I think Kenoni Keen is, is a guitar company that just does limited run guitars. And so the one that I have, um, it's a Breed 26. It's a beautiful blue guitar. There's only 200 of them. And so there are limited run guitars, and th there are already limited run guitars, but now they're even more limited, it seems. Um, but it's, it sucks because it seems truly that they're a, a musician's musician, like a musician's company. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're just out there trying to sell guitars and stuff. and it's, it sucks, um, but it's a weird situation. That's what the KGB wants you to think, bro. <laughs> Just joking. Uh, that's, we I, we I, don't know. That's the thing. That's like, the I don't thing, right? You don't, you I don't, don't know. know. And, and you wouldn't know. So there's this whole thing that happened. I was listening to this podcast. Um, actually, a gene tur tur turned me on to called Smartless, and it's mm. with uh, Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes from Will and Grace. <laughs> <laughs> It's a it's a <laughs> it's a great podcast, uh, and they had this dude uh, Fred Fred Armisen on there. He's like a comedian and you know a writer on SNL and all stuff, and a actor on there too. Anyways, he was talking about uh, these like after the wall came down, the Berlin Wall came down. There was all this uh, like freedom of information kind of kind of stuff that was happening, and you could request request documents from the government uh, about. Um, just a lot of different things about people, you know, that that were in your lives or whatever, and people were getting these documents and realizing like their best friends were actually government agents that were just collecting information from them. There were spies, and this was happening all over Germany and Russia, and I mean, it's definitely happening here too, right? right. Like, like with with people like espionage operations and stuff. But it's just kind of wild to think about, like people. That like they were best friends with, right? And then like that that just ended up being spies that were just collecting information on them to try and get some kind of insight into the culture. But what are you and trying to say, dude? Just saying that he's probably working for the KGB. That What's I need up? to check my guitar a couple more times. I'm yeah, saying, I'm saying you're act, you're, <laughs> acting, you're acting a little sus though every now and then. You know what I'm saying? I definitely act a little sus. I'm a little sus. sus. Yeah. I was, you know, who it, made the snoring sound when I said that? Anyways, not me. <laughs> Is that Chris? That was, Chris. was underdog. Sounds like, 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 like an underdog move. <laughs> I, was um, I was gonna say. Show, uh, I also uh, I went to their website and I saw that blue guitar. So it's got to be that one that that uh, you have, right? It's a it's a semi hollow. It's got like a little cutout mm -hmm. up here. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. And then also uh, I saw about the uh, videos that you were uh, producing with with it. I I saw you do <laughs> the funniest thing I think I've seen in a long time, which is you did 
apple bottom jeans, <laughs> but to the tune of uh, a horse, a with, horse no with no name. It's right? fucking hilarious. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like he just nails it. Again. Like he, a, it was. He it sings was the just... lyrics in that in that in that melody over the acoustic guitar, and I'm just like, oh my god, it's That's so great. So I, I saw. I saw more people need to do that. <laughs> Thank you. I saw somebody do a cover kind of like that. Um, it was that song, and I was like, I could do I could do something like that or do it in my own way. And it, I I almost deleted it. I was like, <laughs> no, but it was, man. It's I appreciate it for sure, man. It was I like the juxtaposition of like actually trying to nail the Neil Young part or or <laughs> the the America song, but just talking about how there's this this promiscuous lady over there who's just got everybody's <laughs> eyes, and she's about to just step on the floor. And next thing you know, she got low, and you know it's just like <laughs> it's just funny. It's one of those things I've uh, I used to just on my YouTube channel just release things like I'm going to get famous because I'm releasing this, but now I just release what I want yeah. and have more fun and things like that. It's more authentic if you do it that <laughs> way, and like people can see that, and right. people always like I you can see it a mile away when people are like making things too you know to be faker and all that stuff like that, and it's just like you're like eh. It's chuggy. I'm with the kids now. No caps. <laughs> no caps. Yeah. Billy it's just like, found out what that meant like a week ago. So no he's, really, he's really leaning into it. Just take off your hat each time you say it. Oh, absolutely. No yeah. caps. Absolutely zero caps. Yeah. That bald spot doesn't look good on camera. We shouldn't do that. Uh, <laughs> me, bald Billy's spot? got a solid head of hair, I'll say. Yeah, I do. Just, just saying, since like we've joined the podcast, forehead. we haven't seen him without a hat on on camera. I'll take my hat off, but it's been on all day, so I'm going to have hat hair pretty bad. Save it for the live episode. Oh, well. No caps. (laughs) No No caps caps here. No caps here. This is good content. Does it make you feel better, weirdo? You were also wearing a hat every time I see you, too, so. Yeah, what's going on with your bald spot, Chris? Yeah, bud. Well, just because you're tall, me. no one can see it. But <laughs> you, you sit down right behind Man, you. getting this get camera that. back here was a terrible idea. Who thought of that? All right, so great. I would, I would suggest, uh, just as, as personal advice, just put everything out there. Just <laughs> everything. put literally everything that you have out there, because yeah. it's. I mean, like, what's the worst that's gonna happen? Right. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd still. You know, you'd want to make it like you know something that, that you that you're proud of. You know, yeah, I mean, right. Like, not just shit that you're like, I don't like this. Like, that you don't put that out there. You well, know I've finally I mean? gotten more comfortable with just being like, no, like this is, I like this. This is this is gonna go out. Like, I a while back I did like I put Tupac acapellas on the SpongeBob theme song, <laughs> and and so it's just the beginning of uh, it was uh, a. <laughs> Feel me, like <laughs> so, like every two flesh, song? flesh, and my flesh. Uh, it's the <laughs> Hail Mary. Oh, it was Hail, Hail Mary, Mary got you. but it was and it was just like you just hear hear Tupac screaming gutturally over t- uh, SpongeBob, and I realize there's something here. I like this. Yeah, right. Like, and so I've just always kind of made serious music, but also made meme. Yeah. Meme audio like Why that, not? but it's like so. I, I think I called it Tupac Shakur pants. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> on my YouTube channel. Uh, but I do things like that. You're like, like the modern. <laughs> you're like the the modern uh, Danger Mouse, bro. Hey, hey, I, I'll take it. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so I kind of want to go through some of your personal experiences and uh, just what what's kind of been your journey starting out as, as a musician. Like I uh, like I mentioned earlier, I started in middle school with Fruity Loops three, and I was in the band, like being in marching band. Well, in middle school, you weren't in mar- marching yet, but 
I uh, started to play clarinet and realized that I really wanted to play drums. And I went and saw the first Matrix movie came out. And I went to with my dad to go see it. And at the arcade back in the day before Rock Band came out, there was this game that you sat and played these fake drums. And the pattern would fall down at the right time. And it was before Rock Band, but it was Rock Band drums. And I was playing to Creed or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, so like can music. you take... And my dad... Like this was before. This is all 1999. Human Clay. That's when that came out. Yeah, <laughs> it all adds guy. up. A big 1999. Like, guy, yeah. It uh, it was before we went to go see the first Matrix movie. I think. Anyway, it, like anyway, my dad was like, he's really good. He he told me later, he's like, I thought you were really good, and I asked you if you wanted to play drums and band. And anyway, got t- he talked to the band director and switched me from clarinet to drums in middle school, and then I went to Sandwood High School and played drums there, produced more, but really. Like like I was just kind of learning what production was, um, and I was on the drum line at Sandalwood, um, and I really got into the the marching band there. And then after high school, I was on the UNF drum line for one season, and then I was on the Jaguars Jacksonville Jaguars drum line for five years. So, and I helped teach some drum lines here in town in between, like some high school drum lines. So it's like I was all set on percussion and being I was the drum line tech. And I was the guy who would stand in the middle of the drum line, like clicking time, like teaching people. So when I when I wasn't playing on a drum line, I was teaching a drum line, and and so I I just I hit this wall after five years with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I just realized I wasn't making anything, and I I just I was just going in circles. It felt like so I decided to leave the drum line and just make my own music, and that's when I made uh, I started working with uh, my friend Dylan O'Reilly. Um, he, he's one of my best friends and collaborators. We formed the Capgraw Brothers, um, which we were a psychedelic funk band here in town, and I started making a lot more music with Ableton. Um, and so I was off the drum line. I was working at Top Golf um, um, here in the town center in Jacksonville. I was a porter, and then I was uh, maintenance after that. But anyway, I was working there and then just doing gigs uh, with the Capgraw Brothers, I played some jazz here in town with the Jive Cats Collective, which is, uh, we were a sister band of Stank Sauce. Um, I remember Stank Sauce. And so it was essentially the horn players and the bass player um, of Stank Sauce, and then the friends of the band, who were all very talented. So we would just kind of, we would play in, there's this place called Cask in uh, Five Points. It's not there anymore, I think. We would play there once a week. It was a lot of fun. So I got a chance to play in different groups. I got to lead my own Capgraw Brothers band. Uh, It was, it it kind of fizzled out. um, And I, it kind of fizzled out right before the beginning of the pandemic, my Capgraw Brothers, uh, that band. Um, And I continued to work with Dylan O'Reilly and make music. And he's the one consistent other producer and artist and rapper and guitarist who has always worked with me for years and years. Like we went to Sandwood together and kind of re like got reacquainted after high school and after I did the Jaguars. So I was like totally set on playing guitar and writing my own stuff with my guitar and making beats. And Dylan saw, I think the uh, Danny California video that I did or something. like, Oh man, you can really play. And I realized he could play this whole time. He has these really, really nice, soulful chops, and he's a really brilliant producer. Anyway, the pandemic happens, and so he's, like, Dylan, the band has broken up, essentially, but Dylan and I are still making music together. He and I are 
like that's the only thing I have because the pandemic is happening. Then I end up um, right before the pandemic happens. Like I said earlier, I come to find out that aerospace is working with my cousin or knows my cousin. And so my music is starting to filter to aerospace. I'm starting to build, build that relationship and send him music. Um, and then the pandemic happens and he, then I make more songs and send him what ends up being Pornhub. And so that ends up rolling. And so the, the pandemic was like this catalyst of all these things coming to a head because I, I wasn't in a band anymore. I was ready for something else to happen. And then I had to just stay inside. And I was like, okay, well, I'm a homebody anyway. This is cool. <laughs> so I just stayed home and made music um, and ended up being on Azalea, um, which is Aerospace's album with Pornhub. Um, and th that song opened the door for so many things for me. Um, and it allowed me to work with people like Shaka, D Cakes, and Lennox Johnston. And um, there's others, um, there's people I would definitely wanted to mention before I forget, uh, before we move on, like uh, my cousin Hiro, H-I-R-O, um, he has uh, a show, I believe, on Friday at Underbelly. I don't know when this will come out. Um, this will come, yeah, this will come out later. But, but anyway, um, I'll just like shout out, I'm going to be working with uh, Kamado, I believe he's from Belarus. Uh, I forgive me if I'm <laughs> incorrect, but he's um, also Prod by James. He goes by Prod by James from uh, the U.K., um, I'm a big fan of working with. Um, I mentioned all that to get to this point. Um, right now, I have a band called, uh, there's a few different bands now that I'm producing just full on at my house, just Ableton and making a bunch of music for, for different people. But I also have, uh, sorry, I'm rambling here, trying to get back to full bands, like playing with bands. I've got this group called Don't Do Drugs. Um, we're a, it's a, a math rock kind of thing, so we're we're trying to go uh, weird time signature kind of uh, think grooves um, noodles kind of thing. It's it's an idea that we're working on. It's called Don't Do Drugs. It's Dylan O'Reilly and uh, Nick Simpson and myself. Then there's a group called uh, Ghost Booty. Two words like Ghost Booty. We have a, a song coming out on Friday um, called uh, I Won't Forget It. And it's kind of a gorillas kind of b electronic band. We're uh, it's Dylan O'Reilly, uh, uh, my friend Dave Shields, and I. Um, it's it's another trio, but basically we're just trying to do electronic rock uh, kind of dancey stuff. I don't know. I, I don't like typecasting myself too much, but I'm probably not doing a good job in describing. But I saying all this to say that. I have so many different things up in the air at the moment. Like I could just keep going on saying, well, I'm kind of doing this one thing too. Like I'm always afraid to do one thing. And so musically I started with drums. Like I said, I mean, started with clarinet, but moved to drums. And then I realized I could say more with guitar back in high school. And that's something I didn't mention. I realized I could say more with guitar than I could with drums just a little bit more. I realized I was just a bit more expressive with it and there was more color with the guitar. And that's what led me to want to make the Capgraw Brothers back in the day. So it's like I've been torn towards the computer and torn towards the live band. And I think I'm finally going to marry them a bit more, at least a bit more like eloquently than I have in the past. Because I've always been trying to make guitar hip hop, but I, I think it's really bland when you think of what guitar hip hop is. It's like and then an A minor diminished chord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like I. And, that, and I'm sure, and it probably will sound good, but I don't know. Uh, 
music means so much to me. I, uh, so I like, I just, I hold such a high standard to myself that I can make myself sick. Cause I'm like, I, I, this, this music, like people always say like, well, music saved my life. Music did this for me. Like music truly did save my life in, in my mind. If I didn't have music at the times that I needed it, I wouldn't have had this outlet. I wouldn't have this thing to listen to or this thing to express myself with that, I hold myself to this, like, I'm afraid of making music that doesn't do it for someone. That's why I was like, I want to, I'm afraid my music's not going to be the right vibe. I I guess I just, I want to help people the way that music has helped me, but it's like, that's an unrealistic standard to put on yourself, period. I think that's a standard that we all kind of put ourselves in, though, you know, because I mean, I, I feel like we all play music because um, we've had those moments of, of just like, of just being at rock bottom and the only thing that we had that got us out of it was just putting on like a song right? and just like getting that, like having that get you through those times. And because it means that much to you, you want to put the same thing out there. That's going to do that for other people. Absolutely. And then we, when we don't do them to, to that standard or at least our, our standard of that, um, it's quite literally like, like I could die after a bad show yeah. Like you could like just take me out back and shoot me right. because I feel like I just ruined like not just my night, but everybody's night. Like everybody feels worse after seeing this show, you know what I mean? Or listening to this song, you know what I mean? So I, I totally can relate to that. And it, it's such a, I, I mean, such an ego checking thing. Like, you know, like, but I, there's been times where, excuse me, I remember like, exactly what you said like after a bad show I remember like back it was back in high school I don't remember even who I was playing with but I did a terrible show and I just cried afterwards because because all I could think about was well this went bad so the next one you know they're gonna not think good you know it's just these these fatalist thought processes but like at the time it's just like this means so much to me it still means so much to me it's like I when you don't live up to the standard that you set for yourself, it's just so painful. Totally. I uh, succumb to that too much with my music. Like not, like uh, there's a producer called Kenny beats and he's very, very popular making a lot of really good music and hip hop. He has this saying, just dots don't overthink shit. And it's a really good process to think of like for me, because I will just get bogged down in a song for weeks. But if I make something in, force myself to make something in 45 minutes, I'll end up with something like uh, like Pornhub. Like, I didn't spend a lot of time on that song in particular. Like, and it ends, ended up being the song that really opened up a lot of doors for me. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, that kind of way of thinking, as I, I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of on the opposite side of it about that music in itself is a fleeting thing, especially for performance. You right. know what I mean? So it's just like, you, you can't ever ever capture it really in a bottle so what's to worry about you know what i mean right so that that's kind of way i look at it but i i could totally understand and relate to it because I, I i felt that way initially and then i don't know what to tell you i just stopped i stopped i guess caring about what other people thought and i know that's hard as a musician because like how are you supposed to make money <laughs> but at the right. same time but at the same time like uh you you do yourself such a disservice as thinking and being in your head that way and and thinking of it that way that right. it will affect your performance, and you could just see someone kind of clam up on stage or feel awkward or feel nervous and everything. And so, I just I don't know I don't know how I got that out of my head. Just performing a million times and then 
just being like, I understand this means the world to me, but at the same time, like it can only, I'm the only person who can feel any emotion. Right. Right. So it's just like, I feel great. So fuck you if you don't like it. I don't know. (laughs) And what's, what's interesting to me is like, I'm, I'm 31 years old and like I, I, uh, I found out when I was 28 that I'm high functioning on the autism spectrum and I was struggling with figuring out what's wrong with me up until 28 like what's wrong with me like why I freak out and have anxiety about things or, or do this and I got so attached to music as a young child because it was such a, a, a relief and an outlet for me but being uh, I'm autistic so I'll just like pour myself into what I do I guess um, and it seems in, that that whole like when you the, the whole like when you go to a show and you're like full of anxiety and anxiety and is crap crap okay I'm stepping on stage it's still here okay the guitar's on and we're first no okay it's gone like mm-hmm. I experienced that a lot and it's like like you said being able to turn it on or off um, I was trying to tie it in with this whole autism th- conversation because I wanted to mention it because it's like I'm I'm autistic, but I don't think that it's like what defines me, or I don't want people to think that I'm just like this uh, uh, sad case or something. Like uh, once I realized that I was autistic, it made me understand music better. I guess it made me understand why I did the, the patterns that I do, and I guess it allowed me to embrace my workflow musically. Like I. I'm on I'm on the autism spectrum, just high functioning, so I just like overthink and I have a lot of anxiety and I like the things get really loud for me, things get really bright at times and uh, like I can't count cards for shit. Um, you know, like, <laughs> so I, I don't have that going for me. That's standard, bro. I'm just saying. <laughs> I might be right there with you. But it's like, it was just one of those things where I, I, I uh, when I finally realized at 28 and it's like, as, as you guys know, as I've been talking uh, today, everything has been happening since I turned about 28 up to now. These past few years is when all these things happened. Then on top of all that, I was, I, I was dealing with all this of realizing I didn't need to be on benzos. I didn't need to be on SSRIs, which I was prescribed. Can we, can we just kind of, not that any of us here are doctors, but can we just, like, just I just kind of want to touch on that for one second yeah. because I come from... Don't you have a band called Don't Do Drugs? Yeah. <laughs> All right, now keep going. I have a... I, I We're com- sponsored by Dare also. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a... Uh, I come from a family where that that uh, uh, dynamic is very uh, real, mm-hmm. right? So um, uh, where, uh, you know, doctor shopping and, you know, you get all, all that stuff. And this... what When doctors prescribe things, like when they're mixing things like like benzos and then amphetamines because you mentioned you were on ADD medication too right. and then you're also on SSRIs which kind of do- also counteracts the amphetamine stuff too exactly and so it's like it's there, at some point there's got to be like some malpractice happening here yeah it's we're, we're treating they're trying to treat symptoms right and and they they it's I I just it's baffling to me, but it makes me afraid to think of the people that are kind of stuck in the system that they are. But it's like, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what's best for people. I just know that I was personally prescribed Klonopin, 
and then it wasn't enough for my anxiety and I expressed to them that I'm still I'm taking this as prescribed I'm still freaking out and panicking the same way I was they put me on on a more of the clonopin then some tried me on SSRIs and then the clonopin wasn't enough so they decided to put me on Valium instead and they upped the Valium amount and Valium is a stronger benzo which is which clonopin is they they thought that my overthinking and anxiety must be based out of ADHD, so I, I was on Valium and then also ADHD medication, and it just I I turned into this zombie of a person in terms of I just I'd get up and I'd do things and I'd eat the toast that was made for me or I'd or you know kind of thing, and like literally like my parents would have I'd literally have to live with my parents at the time and they'd have to make me food because I wouldn't I'd be a zombie like I'd get up. I wasn't making music at that time, and I literally ended up going to rehab, admitting myself into Baptist Medical downtown, like I did um, for three or four days um, in the inpatient side, and it, it was, it's like I'm not embarrassed to say it. It's like it was that moment in time definitely helped me figure out what was going on in my head, I guess. But I realized I wasn't bipolar, I wasn't ADHD. I'm high functioning on the autism spectrum, and I need to mitigate this anxiety and I realized that the the benzos and everything weren't what weren't were going they weren't what were going to be what helped me get back to myself I felt like I wasn't me on these prescriptions I'm curious and you know if this is too much you don't have to get into it but I've, I've been um because benzos and alcohol are like the two substances that you can die die from withdrawal right. symptoms so were you experiencing any kind of withdrawals and you were coming off the benzos off the benzos yes to the point where i i told my i told my psychiatrist that what my family had decided that we i think we need to, to wean off of the benzos and i was on it for such a long period of time that we had to safely wean my wean me off of off of the valium to where i was if it was it, I, I was on more than I was on more than ten milligrams a day of Valium, and we had to basically it, it basically cut it down and wean myself for six months or more. Fucking crazy! And so, it, and I and I I kept thinking, I feel like hell now, and I'm not off of it yet. I can't imagine what it would be like in ten years if I was trying to get off of it from ten years. In, from now, I mean, could you and even at that point? Is there any seizure medication they would have to be giving you and all kinds of stuff? Like, and that's the that's the most terrifying thing. Is I was afraid I was going to have seizures. I was afraid I was going to, etc. Like, I, I I'll be honest, cannabis is the biggest tool for me. Um, and it's you know it's not for everyone. And I don't I don't I wouldn't want anybody to really smoke cannabis. But for me personally, like it benzos aren't it alcohol isn't it it's like i i enjoy alcohol for sure but it's but it's like <laughs> it's not a like i i cannabis is a, is a tool for me for sure like uh in terms of mitigating the anxiety because oh, no, it just gets me really high yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, you don't have the same anxiety levels that he has so <laughs> i, I kind of wanted to go back uh, just a little bit because i i on, on the music thing is as, as far as like what it means to people you know, I can I there like music music for me has always gotten me through like the hardest times of my life. Um, but I have like these these vivid moments. Like the, there's like three huge moments for me. 
that right. I can point to specific songs and events that were happening in my life that that that, that got me through. And was it for, Dave? Was any of them Dave Matthews? No. Okay. <laughs> I do love Dave Matthews, but yeah, no. just just. Uh, yeah. uh, I, I just imagine say, you having like a, like like a super song or not uh, like a like a serious moment in your life, and then it's just like crash into me. Well, no, actually, I will say that that, that Dave Matthews for a long time was like a, like a, was like a, a like a traumatic source for me because for most people. Uh, because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but either way, um, what uh, like w- when I was um, when I was twelve and nine eleven happened, and then uh, at the same time my parents were splitting up, and it was a whole weird thing. Uh, and then my mom was like in and out of uh, rehab, so that was like a whole weird thing. And I remember uh, the Beatles ac- across the universe, mm. right? And like the nothing's gonna change my world, and all this kind of like just these mantras that they would be chanting throughout the song, right? And how like that was just something that was reassuring for me and just motivating to not let those things kind of keep you down. And then shortly after that, while those uh, maybe, uh, you know, like it was a lot of family shit that was happening and then Sing for the Moment by Eminem had come out. And man, I can't tell you how many... you up. Just fucking... When you had like those... those Wait, that's the 8 Mile song? No, no, no. That was, that was a great one, too, for me. But what, what, Sing just, for the what Moment... Song? Oh, Sing for the Moment. Yeah, my yeah. bad, my bad. Uh, he samples I think it, sample, yeah. Yeah. So he, so just like, like the, if you, like the, the content of, of that song was like just my life. You know what I mean? Right. So it might, you switch some roles, character roles around, right? But like, as far as like the, the, the context. So I, when we had those like, uh, those radios that had like the, the the repeat buttons on for the CDs. I had that album and I just put the repeat one on on that one song and would just like zone out to that and just it, <laughs> it was just like okay like if somebody if this, if this guy got through this then right. then he's like basically speaking about like what I'm going through. And now that line where at the end of the song where he goes like, that's why we sing for these kids and they'll have a thing except for a dream in a fucking rap magazine who post pinup pictures on the walls all day long, idolize their favorite rappers and know all their songs or for anyone who's ever been through shit in their lives, just sit and they cry at night wishing they died. So they throw on a rap record and they sit and they vibe. We're nothing to you, but we're the fucking shit in their eyes. That's why we seize a moment, try to freeze it and own it, squeeze it and hold it as we consider these minutes golden and maybe they'll admit it when we're gone. Just let our lyrics live on through our, let our spirits live on through the lyrics you hear in our songs like he's a lyrics guy i mean like can we get a golf can we can we get a can we get a golf clap (laughs) (laughs) i i still get goosebumps i I still get goosebumps when i hear that i did and and i got goosebumps and like i still like when i hear it i still like get like teared up from it because it's like that music is so powerful and empowering wait there's a maggot brain by funkadelic that one guitar solo and hits me so deep it's one of those songs that hit, i found at the right time like i it's just it's no lyrics well there's lyrics at the beginning it's but it's like it's just a crying kind of guitar solo but it's like it touches my soul and it's just like it's interesting how i can it just these moments in time that are captured that it's like you're never going to forget that how you felt at that time exactly. when you were when you were listening to that the first time exactly so that's 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 beautiful. That's uh, that's what it's really about, like those little uh, captured moments in time or whatever. Yeah, I, I just learned. Uh, I, I do like a mashup now of "Sing for the Moment" and uh, "Dream On" the Aerosmith song. There you go. So I do, I do like a mashup on it. And when, when I was learning the song, 
like I, on like on that last verse where he says all that stuff, I was getting choked up while singing. I just stopped singing. Do you and have to like, like tune out almost and stop paying attention yeah, to what you're really saying? Exactly, because I'm like, okay, I just need to just take a fucking moment, just like this. You, you know need to I mean? take a moment but, uh, yourself. Sh- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, it's it, it's it's a uh, it's, it's such a powerful tool, and it's amazing you've been able to find that as like a healing source for you. Absolutely. Right? Like in, I'm so in, thankful because I don't know what I'd do if I couldn't do this for myself personally, just make music. Especially in the wake of finding out what, you know, what you're going through and then having gone through all the, like this essentially malpractice that, that was going on. Right. And, uh, just being able to use this as, as, as a healing source for you is goes to, to, to the, to just, you know, the, the spirit of what music is you know it's it's amazing i really appreciate that man thank yeah. you it's i i i try not to overthink it too much but if i sit back and think about how much music has played a, like a role in my life i'll just start to cry because i realize like there's just the, the little things that matter the most to me just I, I i don't know like uh like being here means a lot like i truly appreciate you guys like this this is this really means a lot to me like uh my like my dad's been my biggest fan since the beginning and like he drove me here because he was just so excited that i was having my first big kind of little interview here you know this <laughs> is the first bit of press we're I've huge ever done. This is, we're a household name, <laughs> household name. <laughs> we got 80 subscribers on youtube now. 83 don't tell us how short it's only the beginning <laughs> yeah um well we really appreciate you being on man this has been such a fun thank conversation you. you know very thankful for you guys thank you for yeah, having yeah. Me. thanks a lot dude it was awesome so on popular opinions yeah on popular opinions you know what? why don't you go first this time you want me to go first okay this is a pretty controversial one because <laughs> this is gonna hit home with the uh with the with, with the with the gf as the kids say now um but uh or maybe it won't i don't know but like the gluten-free the gluten-free um people i feel like like uh self-help books are are scams yeah, because well, just just in in general, you're going to the store to get self help books, so in that you're already helping yourself in the first place, right? Well, no, that's not what I'm talking about so much. They're it's scams. Like the, the the people that are writing them, yeah, of course, are making scam. a living off telling you how to live a better life. Yeah, but it's like there's no there's like <laughs> sorry, but like there's <laughs> no like quantifiable way right everyone's so different right that it's like, it, like everything can mean different things but like like people that, that tell you how to get rich right or like people right. that tell you how to deal with emotional trauma or like whatever it's like to me it's 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 all kind of like like or how do you be productive it's it's like all kind of just bullshit it's like you're making a living off telling people how to be productive that's your productivity like you, you get what i'm saying it's like what you should be doing is like here's how you get rich is that you tell other people how to be productive yeah <laughs> that's, that's what's happening. There's, that's, yeah, there's scam. Yeah, hundred percent. I believe with you. I believe with you. I believe, I believe you for sure. With you. Yeah, but yeah, I believe with, with you me. too. But but like, what, we're in a cult. Who, who's homeboy that you like? David Ramsey. Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey helped me get out of debt. I understand. That's about it. Yeah, but but like, but I'm saying that guy is like super rich now, right? Oh, he's mega rich. Because but like he didn't get rich off of his off of his. Uh, formula. He got rich because yeah, he did. He, I mean, he got out of debt off of his formula. That might be the only rich. self-help guy that's actually probably like, kind of is legitimate because all he's doing is like financial help. Like, hey, just quit being an idiot and don't go to restaurants. I guess there's like financial. 
there's like a financial. So I, to so it, you know what? Yeah, unpopular opinion. Yeah, that's unpopular. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was trying my best to hold, but I, I truly need to use the restroom. I, I'm yeah, sorry, do your like thing. I've got. Yeah. Thing. I don't want to miss the uh, unpopular. It's okay. Billy's probably just gonna be a fact that he denies anyways. No, nope, so. that's not. That's not <laughs> what I was gonna say. Usually how it works. But we we can just talk about other things. Anyways, what's going on in your world? Um, what's that third song? What third song? You said that there were three oh, moments so, and three songs. Uh, there was one weekend where I took an insane amount of ecstasy. There you go. And uh, help I was yourself, like, by the way. I was like 17 years old. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I just bought us a hundred dollar hard drive, so we're on good. Uh, so, anyways, uh, I had taken an insane amount of ecstasy. I was like 17 years old in high school. Yeah. And uh, the following Monday, I had a headache that was so insanely bad. I, I couldn't open my. I physically could not open my eyes, so um, I uh, had to. Like I was on the way to school. My dad was taking me that please morning. Please say it's pitbull. No, please, no, 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 no. Please, please. Although that played a role too, but that wasn't it. Okay. So I was. We we're on the way to school. I told my dad. I was like, "Listen, I'm sorry. I can't explain it. I can't open my fucking eyes. I need you to take me home. I can't go to school." And then I had to go and to then see you my. Just started blasting. I saw the sun. No, no, no. So I went back. <laughs> I went back home. I slept all day. I had to go see my psychologist that that night. So I drove. Like I'm seeing like colors and spots and like like just every like I had to drive on a highway to get there. I'm seeing like all the like my don't do drugs. Kids. My vision was so <laughs> fucked and like my brain. Like I was so depressed. When I got home from the psychologist that night, I was like, I think I'm just gonna kill myself. Nice. Um, I think that's what I. F- this is just this needs to end. I need to stop living. So rather than doing that, I had a little bit of weed left in my bowl and I smoked. Uh, I smoked some weed and then I put on Damn It Feels Good to Be a Gangster by the Ghetto Boys. Yeah. And that's a good uh, that's a good fucking song. And glu- I love gluten that song. led you here. Yeah. Gluten led you the, to this okay, I yeah. just missed a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I was asking him what the what the third song was, the third moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we got Eminem and what was it? Uh, Across the Universe. Across the Universe and then, and then, Damn, and then Ghetto Boys. And I don't that's know what it was. That's a good playlist. It started a very good playlist uh, though. I, I don't know why, it just for some reason I had to I had to put that song because it's a, it's not even like the lyrics, right? It's just it's a that's a good one. It was just the melody of like the piano or, and like the, that, it's the whole thing happening. It got and then, famous off that movie Office Space. Office yeah. Space, yeah. yeah. Damn, That's it feels good. Uh, That's and just like how song. soothing all their voices are and just so like right. smooth and like even though they're rapping about kind of gangster shit, it's just like, it's so smooth and just eloquent. There's and, like, also a line in that song though where they're talking about being gangsters and stuff but they're also talking about like being good upstanding citizens. There's yeah, like well, a couple lyrics in there that yeah, are really funny. Well, what they're talking about is just like a real gangster Gangster doesn't like talk about all the shit that they're doing, right? It's like it's right. Like they're quiet and they're chill and they're smooth. And, right. in, and just in that moment, I just like the voice was so soothing and reassuring to me, and the music was so. And I just sat there thinking, like, it's a peaceful beat. Just yeah, it's almost meditative. Yeah. I just I just sat there and just thought. I, I went from feeling the worst I'd ever felt in my life to like literally being suicidal. Just sitting there, and just being like. This is is this like the best feeling somebody could have right now because yeah. that's what it feels like. And then I woke up the next day and I was still a little fucked up, you know, because I was hungover. I don't know if you heard, but I was hungover from doing like way too much ecstasy Drugs. over the weekend. And uh, I, I, and I will again. I was 17 years old, so it's been a long time. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, it was just like it was. Uh, th- that was the third moment. Anyways, your unpopular opinion. Uh, my unpopular opinion is nobody should have a job. Straight up. Everything should be automated, and everybody should get to do whatever they want to, and nobody should even work 
ever again. This is what I'm talking about. When ever. He, so, these aren't opinions. These are just a denial of facts. No right? one should have a job. I think that's a great, great opinion. It's not. It's like just. It's just factually wrong. People get. We wouldn't have things. We wouldn't have anything. If everything's automated, we would. Bill, but who's going to automate them? Let me also robots by saying but this. Who's going to make the ro- Elon Musk? Billy's a. Uh, uh, oh, he then he has a job, right? Huh? But he shouldn't have a job. He no, no, no. A job. He's, it, like he is going to create a perpetual motion That's a machine. Job. No, you don't know what a perpetual motion machine is. Do you? I do know what a perpetual motion. Well, machine what happens is. after you start a perpetual motion machine? It's gravity propelled. But what happens? It moves by itself <laughs> forever. Yeah. So you, okay, at one point in time, someone's got to push it, and then after that, well, someone has to create it first. Right, but then we sacrifice him in a volcano. <laughs> oh, oh you like didn't bring that up before. Thing? I'm down now. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring we we just burn, burn him alive, and he's like, "Yes, finally, what I always wanted." <laughs> I'm also going to preface this by saying Billy's a full-on Marxist. <laughs> Marxist. Yeah. No, that's not. What, I'm not Marxist. Yeah, I thought you liked Karl Marx. No, I I, I barely know the guy. <laughs> and then secondly, I would say I would as as democratic socialist. Okay. If you have to put a label on me, that's, a, that's an oxymoron. But baby, but we ain't got to put labels on anything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I'm not a talent buyer. I don't buy talent, <laughs> but a hundred percent, nobody should have a job. I think they're stupid. What's the point? Again, this is this is a denial. Of I, it, all this it is supply and All it is, all it is, is just money and everything like that. But like, if what if we all just got money? Yeah, no, I'm with you there. What if there we all go. just got money? So jobs are dumb. I've been uh, interviewing for like uh, forty fucking jobs in a row. I was like, you know what? Who these jobs? Are, who created these jobs? This is bullshit. Just everybody get a computer. I'm oh, sorry. Everybody, uh, everybody's job should be replaced by a robot. We all just make money. Yeah, because make the robots work for us. My favorite thing on the planet is when 2024. That's what I call Comcast. Your boy will be 35. No, my favorite thing on the planet, and then Trump will be president. No, uh, but, I'll be his running I'm mate. I'm not Donald you know Trump. Let's preface that. Uh, as long but, as DeSantis is out of Florida, I'm fucking fine. He's with doing it. a great job. Are you fucking um, kidding me. Anyways, uh, what I. Uh, my favorite thing ever is when I call Comcast and can't get a human being on the phone. No. That's probably the best thing, right? We can all agree that dealing with the operators at the bank or or the automated operators at the bank or the or the or the cable companies. Those that's is that not the the best experience of your life? Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Are, are what segment is this called again? Unpopular opinions. <laughs> okay. Well, it's it's called unpopular. Not not a denial of facts. It's called unpopular. What denial opinions. of fact? It's an unpopular opinion. I don't think that anyone should have a job. That sounds. That's an opinion. That's a. <laughs> that I have. Okay. Well, it sucks. What do you think about it, Caleb? I, I, th- I think that you need jobs, right? To Man. for, but you know, I don't want to do the work. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> no, nobody, you, I mean, nobody I don't want to work. Why are we doing this? Job, Why are we still doing this? You know what I mean? You know, it, I feel like, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm I'm grasping at straws here, trying to solve the non-job problem. Yeah. Like that's the problem I'll we solve have. It. Like, it's not an unpopular <laughs> opinion; it's a shitty opinion. How about that? That's fine. I uh, I I'll I'll take the time to transfer to my unpopular opinion. Yeah. And I I I I was thinking about this, and I know everyone here has probably heard the the it's the music it's the waiting music that the IRS has, and it's like it's this one song, and it's not that bad. Wait now, so <laughs> and it's actually so, not that bad. And I actually like the more I listen to it, I actually like it more because when it first comes on, it's like because it's like. I know. Okay, yeah, hang on. Yeah, it's kind of like it. <laughs> so I've they work, know. I've been working at like a, a call center for like ten fucking years. I've heard every, and like so I've heard every hold music song in the world. And when that 
banger comes it's on. Good. I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That is. <laughs> I got the Which, whole. Boom, 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 boom. I got the whole thing memorized. It's just like the that. old like weather scan, like the Weather Channel music that used to be on. <laughs> yes. So it's like, it's almost like a lo-fi hip hop tune. I'm gonna have now, to s- sample it and get sued by the IRS. Yeah, well, which is like, a hilarious concept that the government sues a private citizen. Also, <laughs> there's two points here to be made, right? Uh, first off hilarious and best unpopular opinion we've ever had in the show. It's, it's not uh, even unpopular. I think everyone knows that that fucking shit is, is and second, fucking... Uh, and second, is that like the only positive contribution of the IRS or what? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> is there whole music? <laughs> I, had a, I had another one. I, I had a couple ones. I was like, my other one was, uh, uh, fuck it, Rick Astley is not that bad. At I what? don't know who that that is. Never gonna give you up. The ne- oh, that's never song. gonna give you up. That's what actually about, a banger. What it's about dancing? He's pretty good at dancing. He's you know I I just <laughs> I know yeah. I didn't go with it with my number one. So not I'm yet. not full on. Yeah, he is. But a, no, it's like everyone talks shit about him. I always think he's actually pretty good. He's a pretty good singer, and he's no stranger to love. I'll say that. He's <laughs> he knows the rules, and so do I. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, but, that was great. <laughs> but it's one of those things like when people put it on as a joke you're like oh yeah it's, it's a joke but then you're like I'm like the bass line is pretty good go. yeah no the dance moves are good thank you yeah that's no it is not that's all of all he's kind of wave he's kind of yeah you're right I, wait, what's up at the top stabilized full large <laughs> <laughs> This is guy is like fucking like Eddie Cochran reincarnated. He is very very ginger. Now, am I that ginger? Uh, well, I mean, you that, could be with the right. That's makeup. like Ron Weasley ginger. No, you're like Ron Weasley ginger. He's no. like he's like Casper meets Billy Bagley. He's like ginger. copper tone. You know what I mean? Copper tone. Okay. Yeah. Well, anyways, he's got dance moves, dude. He's good at dancing. Rick uh, Astley. Well, Caleb, it's been great having you on the show, man. Thank this you for having awesome. me. I appreciate you yeah. guys very much. Like I said, time fucking flies on this thing, bro. I'm pretty sure we're probably like over an hour and a half at this point. It doesn't yeah. even matter. It's been so much fun talking to you, man. This has been great. Thank you. I yeah. really appreciate it, And guys. thank you for the best unpopular opinion we've ever had. The <laughs> hey. IRS music, waiting music is a fucking, boom, boom, boom. fucking slaps, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in. This has been awesome. We're actually gonna uh, we're actually gonna end this episode with the IRS uh, hold music, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Boom.